Let's get sweaty. Hello and welcome to episode 8 of the Shenmue Dojo Show. I'm James Brown and as always I'm joined by Mr. Matthew, soon to smell of tobacco and gold, Oliver. (laughs) (laughs) How's things man? Yeah, good man, how are you? I'm not too bad, thank you. I think that's probably 8 episodes where neither of us have never not been good. (laughs) So I suppose that's a positive considering last year or so. Yeah, definitely. And uh, I think next year should be a, a crack of a year as well, what with the anime destined to release and who knows what else we might come across next year. Yeah, I mean, the anime, obviously, we don't know when it's coming out, but I mean, the trailer speaks for itself. I, I just want more, give, give us some more hints now and hopefully it lives up to the to the emphatic sort of introduction it had with, with the trailer. If it does, I think we're in a really, really good place next year. Can you see it showing up again prior to it being released like another show or something possibly the game awards i mean i'd be it, there have been animes pop up there in the past i mean but i think that would be it this year i'd i'd anticipate and when are the game awards uh ooh, december the 9th i think but i'd have to google it and check okay okay so i think every conference or whatever we're probably going to be watching eagle-eyed yeah. anyway just on the off chance, who knows? Yeah, we'll just see how we go. So on today's show, we're going to be picking up from where we left off at the end of episode three of the Shemu Dojo show, all the way back in March, when we covered and discussed the first half of Shemu 3's story beats in Bailu Village. We'll be going over everything that happens in the Niawu half up until the end of the game, so it should come as no surprise that there are going to be some massive spoilers in this episode. So if for some reason you're still yet to play through Shemu 3, I'm looking at you, flagship... <laughs> You may want to stop this podcast now, and I still can't believe that Shenfoy dies, mate. Shocking, isn't it? Oh, man. Yeah, you didn't see that one coming, did you? <laughs> um, I also want to preface that whilst we're not actually going anywhere, but this particular episode is going to wrap up season one of the show. So the past eight episodes, as well as all of the interviews, that's a nice round show run of 26 episodes for the season, which is pretty crazy. Christ. I think that- yeah, between everything we've been doing, we managed to crank out all of that content over the past year. I just think it's nuts. That's mental. It's a show every two weeks, basically. It is like a proper season's worth, you know, like an actual show, show run, really, 26 episodes. <laughs> and uh, also in the coming weeks, we'll be doing a Christmas special show that I'm really looking forward to, which will be full of fun music games and more, um, hopefully. <laughs> I've got a few Shemu-themed jokes that I've thought up as well I'm excited to share too so look out for that soon but before we get into the meat and potatoes of the show today we're going to catch up on all of the latest Shemu news and happenings since the last episode so first up Shemu clone Matt where on earth did this come from and what is it all about I tell you what if you want to bring something out of the left field I think this is probably as left field as it comes I mean how do you even I don't know where they got this idea from. I think it's great. And from what Sega Shop have said to me, they're selling really, really well, which is impressive. I'm, I'm, I've got, I mean, I've got one on the way. I'll unbox it, of course. But I mean, I don't know how you, how you felt about it. I mean, it's tobacco and gold. It's, it's the <laughs> smell, which I didn't 
I don't quite get how that fits in terms of Shenmue, but I mean, I'll go through it. I mean, the description on the um, website goes like this. Rebellious and addictive, this exhilarating Shenmue tobacco and gold unisex cologne hits all the right smells to get the likes of Ryo Hazuki nodding in appreciation. Enjoy this fresh fragrance with top notes of clashing cardamom, bergamot, smouldering golden tobacco, deep oris, and a strong patchouli base. This scent is ideal for presenting as a gift to a loved one or for yourself. So it's official Sega product. It's officially licensed. It's designed and engineered by Numskull Designs, who they do a lot of Sega shop stuff, actually. Um, I think 95% of the stuff they do there is, is by Numskull, actually. Fragrance notes, I mean, it's all the stuff in it. It's a cardamom, bergamot, golden tobacco, orris, sage, and patchouli. It's a unisex fragrance, and it's a little, it's a 100ml bottle. So you get a reasonable amount. Uh, it's a pre-order item at the moment, and I am told it's due to ship before Christmas. It's great stuff. I mean, I think it probably is because of Christmas that this idea is originated from. You know, a lot of people buy cologne and perfume and that sort of stuff for people for Christmas. Um, I don't necessarily think it's because of Shenmue that they thought of this perfume, because obviously you've got the Sonic one and the Yakuza Mm. Uh, fragrances as well so i'm not sure where like say the the idea actually originated from and i agree with you i don't think the actual fragrance screams shenmue at me but i mean i'm, I'm waiting to see what it smells like or, or or waiting to smell what it smells like it's going to be an interesting fragrance the only thing i can think of why they've gone for like tobacco and gold is if they're just thinking of like i don't know like tokyo or Tabuita, that sort of like, I don't know, industrial sort of 80s where smoking was allowed in any venue, in any place. And I can imagine the only place I can think of is um, the Mahjong Parlour where you walk in yeah, in Shemu One and it's smoky. That's probably the only tobacco-esque sort of theme in Shemu One that I'm aware of, though, apart from there's that dude squatting as well with the, the cigarette. Oh, yeah. But other than that, it's not really, a like say, a fragrance you'd... Uh, associate with Shemu. I'd have rather probably maybe like a Guilin scent from Shemu too, like a I suppose that would be a bit more feminine that maybe like floral Possibly. but I could imagine like a good rustic wooden tree sort of <laughs> smell, you know, like a proper man smell like I don't know, oak or something. <laughs> or cherry blossoms. That's probably more Cher- yeah, cherry blossoms would work. That'd work. It's it's funny, isn't it? I mean, I don't know who th- who thinks this stuff up, but why the hell not miss more Shenmue merch at the end of the day? And while it is a bit of a left field one, um, if it sells well, they probably they probably will do more. So I mean, if you like the idea and it is a good Christmas present, I mean, if you're struggling for to buy for someone at Christmas, and they know you're a Shenmue fan or, or whatever, or you know a Shenmue fan, and you're struggling to buy for them. Well, it's not a bad gift, really, is it? No, I don't think so. I think perfect Christmas present you'd want under your Christmas tree or from a loved one, I suppose. I don't know. <laughs> it, as I say, it's very left field um, and it seems to be selling quite well from what, I, what I've been told through through Sega Shop, which is which is awesome, actually, to, to see that it's um, it's selling well because yeah. that just means they can hopefully will put out more Shenmue merch and I'm, I'm hoping, fingers crossed, that they do. Yeah, that is good to see and... Obviously, the the Yakuza scent has actually sold out mm-hmm. from what we've seen. So hopefully, the Shemi one's not too far behind that. Obviously, there's probably a, a lot more Yakuza fans. And also, it's just had a... I mean, Judgment's just had a big release as well, hasn't it? So I think it's quite fresh in the memory. So that might be why. And Yakuza is a big... It's probably their biggest active franchise, barring Sonic, I would argue. Yeah, and they probably, for the Sonic one, allocated maybe even more Possibly, for the stock. Yeah. yeah. 
maybe they, they were testing the waters with the Yakuza and Shemi ones with a bit of a, a lower stock. So hopefully we'll see if you if you are eyeing that up, you might want to hop on that quick because, like I say, the Yakuza one sold out. And between me and Matt, we've got like eight or ten on order from <laughs> different people <laughs> around the world. So um, yeah, I, I can't imagine them having too many remaining, to be honest. But who knows? I don't know. Anyway, let's move on. We've had some more recent news regarding the Shemu 3 soundtrack. I've got hitting us yesterday at the time of recording. Customers of the Shemu 3 soundtracks from Big Wax received an email regarding the delay in production and the upcoming date of shipping. So what products does this include and what are the details of this map? So we got this update a couple of days ago. Actually, um, a forum user, Dadij, I think, popped up on the forums to say that um, they'd been speaking to the community manager there and they confirmed that emails were going out around the big wax stuff. So the items included in this in this update, you get the 6CD set, uh, the 5LP and the 6LP box sets, um, which are being shipped now. Um, they're, I think actual fact, looking on Twitter today, um, a CD set has actually popped up in someone's hands already, which is and it looks really, really good. I'm, I'm really impressed by it. And uh, the 11 LP box set is going to be shipped from December the 9th, and you'll get emails to, to notify um, new in, when the package is on its way. Did something just fall over in your place? Or was it me? No, I don't think so. That's weird. Yeah. Okay. So because Big Wax is a, a French company, I believe, obviously people that live close to France are going to be getting them soon. Yeah. And we've kind of under the situation of we've we ordered i think we ordered the big box set from big wax so we will get that shipped on december the 9th like you just said but everything else i certainly at least have ordered from limited run games which we haven't really had an update from them regarding these but i'm pretty sure the fact that a company like big wax is shipping these and they are a limited run games product at the end of the day yeah uh, they can't be too far behind. So just keep an eye out on your emails and all sorts of whatever to be updated on that. And obviously, Shemu Dojo, of course. Yep. And there's a, ca- a caveat to that is obviously the limited run game stuff. If you've ordered a bulk of stuff, so you've ordered, say, the 11 LP set and the collector's edition, mm. the 11 LP set won't ship separately. It'll all ship together. Right. So it's just worth bearing in mind with your orders that they tend to put them together. I think it's to save on shipping, quite frankly. Did so they do the collector's edition at the same time? They did. It was, I think it was live at the same time. Right. I'll have to check my order on that then. So it could be a little bit of a while then still to go with the limited run game stuff then. Quite, quite possibly. It's, like I said, it's just worth keeping an eye on your emails and seeing what happens. But if you've got anything singularly from limited run games, I'd imagine it'd be shipping fairly soon. Yeah, yeah, spot on. And other news-wise regarding like updates to projects and whatnot, we've had uh, an update from Adam Scipione from the Shimu documentary team. He pushed out an update a couple of weeks ago on Kickstarter regarding the status of the film and obviously the physical items that they had planned on Kickstarter. You know, it's been a long time coming, but where are we now in terms of when we can finally expect to get this documentary in our hands, man? Wow, um, it's an exciting update. Um quite quite honestly the post-production process is nearly finished this is coming from the kickstarter update um they've had all the japanese english subs review for accuracy and happy to report that the tweets have been made and looking good the bonus content is completed uh the end credits being prepped and being quadruple checked before to ensure that nothing's missing so it sounds like that they're almost ready to go into production he did also say in this update that he would like 
everybody to check their Kickstarter backer name is set to the, the what you ever want to be credited as. So if you want your legal name in there, you need to change your Kickstarter alias to, to that. Otherwise, you're going to have like what you know some stupid um, screen name in there rather than your name. But that's completely up to you. Um, they're still fine tuning the the edit and they need to finish up the artwork for the box. So there's all sort of time to get everything updated. And when it's all done and time to manufacture and ship the discs from a logistical standpoint, they'll let us know. And it's going to be sort of the end of a very long process. And in speaking to Adam privately about it as well, um, they aren't that far off shipping. I do think it will be early next year, but I must say I'm, I'm excited to get it in my hands after, because after the Kickstarter back has got the, got the um, privilege to sort of see an unedited uncut version. Um, and that was really good. Mm. I, I'm looking forward to what the final product's going to have and how far in it goes. I mean, it's just, it's doc- also got documentary of Shenmue itself. And there's like a side documentary in it about the making of Shenmue three. So there could well be some really interesting stuff in there about Shenmue three that perhaps hasn't come out to the public yet, which would be really interesting. Yeah. I'm really excited to see it as well. I was going to mention that actually, I think because we backed it, I don't know if it was because of a certainty, but we did manage to watch, what was it like an early unedited yeah, or it was like an, an an early edited version of the documentary. It was very rough, wasn't it? But it was, um, I think it was about an hour's worth, hour and a half's worth, wasn't it? Yeah, and it was fantastic to be honest. I'm, you know, I'm really looking forward to seeing what they've changed, what they've updated. You know, the actual final edit, and I think fans are going to really enjoy it. Yeah, definitely. I'm still kind of hoping that there's going to be like a, a streaming service sort of involvement, like Netflix or something, to get it out there into the world. So. You know, more than just the Shemu fans will be able to actually see this and realise, you know, why we're so devoted to the series. Yeah, I know they were still talking about it. And actually, for people who didn't back the Kickstarter, it'd be a way for them to, to be able to watch it as well. Because uh, I've seen on the various sort of social media pages that there's been people going, oh, I missed this. How did I miss it? Can I can I get copies, etc. now? And it's hopefully they can access it. Either they, they can produce some extras that they can sell or or they can get it on a streaming service. But I imagine there's a lot of legalities behind that um, going on behind the scenes that we don't know about. So, But I'd be really looking forward to getting this in my hands and reserving a good few hours to watch it in, in, in very much great detail. For sure, man. I mean, they shouldn't be excluded anyway if they didn't back it because we backed it because we wanted to see it mm. become a reality. You know, we paid for all his travel expenses, equipment and, you know, time and editing all the past few years and, and everything. That is what the funding went towards getting this as an actual product obviously we wanted the physical items and stuff like that so if they could get it on a streaming thing like netflix i think that would be amazing so that people can see what all the shemuel malarkey is about really yeah definitely <laughs> yeah so moving on just a quick mention of a latest blog post we've had from fountainriverzone.com of course kind of going off the, the tail end of what we were talking about in episode seven when we were discussing the anime we went through the different prophecies from each of the games and switch has actually done an actual prophecy comparison between all of them with the Japanese translations and everything there. So if you want like the definitive prophecy comparison, head on over to phantomriverstone.com right now. And of course, I'll, I'll chuck the link in the description if you're listening in the future and, you know, he's done a million blog posts since yeah. that. <laughs> and we've also got some housekeeping ourselves from the actual Shemu Dojo website. We've got uh, an update to the, the media section. So Peter Campbell's been hard at work organising the huge archive of media content, images and galleries, etc. on the main site, ranging from early pre-Shenmue all the way to current day Shenmue cologne. 
<laughs> and uh, you can delve back into the archives and view images and photos from all the Shamu's history, which I think's you know quite a massive undertaking. Yeah. To make all of the you know the gal- galleries that much more user friendly. These I mean these millions and millions of images from you know years and years of events and <laughs> whatnot. Twenty twenty years worth of images and you know. Man, it, I mean, it's taken him what six months? Do you reckon it's being a big piece of work? Yeah, possibly. I know he's had, you know, things happen in his life in and out and that sort of stuff. So he hasn't completely devoted six months no. of his life to it, of course. But I think what he has done there is is just just made made it a lot more user friendly. Mm, definitely. Um, you know, if you want to find a specific image from a specific era, hop on in, and it's pretty straightforward now. And uh, last couple of little bits of news, mate. Last two episodes of the show have been devoted to interviews from yourself. Obviously, you did an interview with Josh Fairhurst and yeah. John Linneman. If you want to tell us a little bit about that, if people may have missed those episodes. Yeah, I, I try not to spoil them too much. I mean, Josh Fairhurst is, is one of the co-owners at Limited Run Games. He's an um, absolute sound bloke, actually. Um we talk a little bit about him finding Shenmue. Um, we talk about the 2019 Shenmue Collector's Edition and how that actually came to happen in America. And it was very interesting in how that actually happened because there were no plans at all for it to go stateside until Limited Run Games got involved, which I thought was a little bit sad, um, n- almost neglectful in some respects. But I'm glad that Limited Run Games picked that up and and drove that forward and it all sold out and was all good in the end. And the other thing we sort of, touch on and so we will sort of touch in the news section already is there was a shipping update around the collector's edition a shenmue 3 collector's edition rather and also the lp sets that were, which are on the way now now john linneman was a completely different sort of take on the interview john linneman who for those who don't know him is of digital foundry fame and took time out of his day to talk to me about shenmue and also the canned shenmue remaster that was leaked around october 2018 which he leaked on the digital digital foundry website um it's a good hours conversation about shenmue the leaked remaster d3t's version and actually how digital foundry pump out the amount of stuff that they do i mean god forbid how they do it i mean fair play to them and john is is a really nice bloke um i've got a lot of time for him and i love his work anyway so it's I was probably like fanboying out a little bit when I was interviewing him. <laughs> Sorry, man. I was just checking the weather because that noise I was on about, which sort of like, it felt like it rattled past me, past my chair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there's something going on with the weather outside. I've, I've just checked because someone mentioned earlier that there's a red warning or something. There's a storm coming. Yeah. yeah. Like big so ass I storm. think it may have hit <laughs> where I am and I keep... I think maybe my office just shook a little bit, which is why it felt like it kind of came past me. Okay. And I've just checked my phone, and apparently there's like sleet or something oh. happening right now. So I might, I may end this podcast and walk outside and just find like snow everywhere, <laughs> <laughs> which will be interesting. But yeah, guys, if you haven't listened to those two interviews that Matt's on about there, just really good, probably two of your best. And I, I say that every time, which is just speaks volumes, I think, for how great of a job you do on the interview series and you've got more planned in the future you've already yeah. up a couple of pretty snavvy i mean savvy savvy that's the word i was gonna say some pretty savvy um <laughs> guests that are, are, are due to occur when season two kicks off next year 
Yeah, I th- my first one is booked to record on January the 4th, actually. That's all booked, confirmed. Um, so you'll see a new interview sort of early on in the new year, which is great. I'm taking a little break because I've been pumping these out, I think, literally since October last year with Brian Payton's first one. And I think I've been pumping them out at least consistently one a month. So I yeah. need a rest. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Man. And, you know, it gives chance to refresh a bit, get a few new new faces. Maybe you can... As things change, you know, with the anime and stuff, maybe we can get some old guests back on to chat about them as well, which yeah. would be cool. So last little bit of news, just an update for Shemi World issue two, if anyone's, you know, waiting for it. I've been working away on it, chipping away through 164 brand new pages. Just received my last two big articles back from a few people involved in the issue that just need to edit, which leaves me just with a few small bits and bobs to work on till we have an actual finished magazine again. So I would say as of today, whenever you're listening to this, that issue two is on track, scheduled to be coming early next year. I'd probably say first quarter for now. The original plan was around February, but I'm struggling to find free time as it is. So I know, you know, like around Christmas, it's going to be a little bit more difficult, but I I will promise you guys that it's already starting to come together. I'm, you know, I'm slowly reaching the goalposts. So look out for that in the near future. Beautiful. So with that being said, let's crack on with the show. We've both picked out a few pieces of music from Niawu, which obviously is the topic of discussion today. We're going to play one of my picks first. So this is probably the most recognisable music for Niawu, and hopefully it will take you right there in your head as we set up for a great show today. And this is a song called People Coming and Gaming. Welcome back. That was people coming and going from Shimu 3's Niawu. 
and we've got more music to come throughout the show. So like we did in our Bali Village episode, we've got two guides that we're going to follow throughout the story side of things in the hour all the way to the end of the game. So the two guides we've used before, we're going to be using them again today. I'll link them in the show notes or description on YouTube, but uh, we'll give the guides a quick shout out too, as they're both fantastic. The first one we'll be using the text from is from a user called Railer on game FAQs. So if anyone's played Nights into Dreams, you'll probably be familiar with the name Railer as the main villain of that series. This user even uses an icon of that character, so it's definitely a Knights fan. And this is an amazing guide. It's super detailed. It goes into everything pretty much. It's not just a walkthrough. There's a pawn shop guide, gambling, herbs, etc. And they've even made an interactive set of maps for each area, which shows all the spawn points for herbs, where side quests start, etc. And you can actually check things off as you complete them, which is super handy. And the other guide we'll be using is mainly just for image reference, if there's anything we're unsure of or need a little help rejigging our memories. And this is a guide on a website called Game of Guides. Uh, it's a little bit more of a simple walkthrough, not as in-depth, but there's some great images to help guide you through the game if you do get stuck. So again, we'll link both of these guides in the show notes slash description. So Matt, do you fancy trying your best <laughs> to give us a super quick recap of the story so far? So... I'll try and do it in very, very short form here. So obviously Rio has come out of the cave, ended up in Bailu village with Shenhua and her father, Mr. Yuan, has gone missing. After going around the village asking stonemasons what for information, he comes across a gang called the Blue Spiders who have been going around trashing Bailu village, looking for stonemasons and looking for the Phoenix Mirror. Uh, Rio takes out two of the thugs quite, quite handily actually and then loses to um their boss whose name eludes me right now so if somebody could remember his name would be really helpful yanglang yanglang that's it brilliant I knew, I knew it was something like that um so he loses to yanglang um twice in fact um and then has to go and learn a, a body check move from mr sun and then eventually takes him down um, they extract information from him in, in interrogation more, more than Shenhua does um, using what I think is probably her powers. And then they get the, the mysterious scroll from Elder Year, which tells them to go to Niawu and also makes reference to a cliff temple and the mirrors, etc. So they head off to Niawu and um, you come in on the, the first scene in Niawu, it swoops over the river. And you see the boat that they're traveling on and the music might be instantly recognizable to a lot of people because it's the music from the Sega Saturn trailer back in the day. So mm. it, and it fits, it actually fits it really nicely, I think. Yeah, I quite like it. I mean, I'm glad they've found a use for that song because if you hadn't actually heard that Sega Saturn Shemu footage, which is either on YouTube, I suppose, but back in the day, I had to complete Shemu 2 on the Xbox version. But, oh, or was it both? It could have been on the Dreamcast as well. Dreamcast as well. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. Remember rightly, Shemu 2's version of the Passport Disc, whatever. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So if for some reason you may have missed that, it's nice that they found a use for that piece of music. Yeah. So you sort of sweep in. It shows the boat pulling up into into the docks. Um, Rio and Shenhua step off, and he looks over to his right. And you can see the Coromon um, fisher, uh, fisherman, and it sort of draws in on this one particular one who's got his um, sticks up with, with some crows balancing 
perfectly on and really sort of takes a takes a note of that as like, oh, okay this is interesting and then also the scene cuts up to a woman a very sort of mysterious looking woman who we haven't come across before and she sat at the top of the top of the boat looking out and there's a lot of attention paid to that so it obviously gives you the the intention that chances are she's going to have a part to play going forward and i can't remember her name Oh, it's Lee Feng. Lee Feng is her name. Oh, Lee Feng. Okay. So that's obviously we'll get to that in the future, but that is her name yeah. for now. <laughs> kind of. Yeah. And I just, just think, do you, do you reckon everything that's happening to Rio at this point, it's it's all of a new experience. He's experiencing new culture and, and, and everything there. So seeing the cormorant fishermen, like the cormorant birds on the stick there, he could have been taken aback by that because that is something extremely new to him. First time he's seen fishermen like that before perhaps using birds to catch fish yeah and uh, also it's just probably the first time he's been in in that sort of setting i mean a proper riverside town slash city i mean it's it's based on a real setting the hour it's based on fen young and Mm. um you've got the river flowing literally right through the middle of it and and the port and everything it's quite quite a bustling place and it's very different to say hong kong it's very also very different to to bailu village and um, it's a bit of a culture change, especially actually more for Shenhua actually as well. Bearing in mind she'd never left Bailu Village until then. Yeah, that's true. She's always been in this rural environment, and speaking to her, you know, she'd not even heard of Japan even. No, no. So seeing a place like this, shops, bustling city streets, and hotels and that sort of stuff is very alien. I would have thought to to Shenhua. Yeah, definitely. So you get off the boat. Uh, you get a little cut scene where you're told to go hotel uh, Niawu. Um, everything's all been taken care of. And I think they, they take Rio's bag off of him as well. This time, at least it doesn't get nicked. That's interesting. So you think that's kind of like a package deal they've done with a, a company somewhere that's like, you know, as, as soon as you arrive, you'll be taken care of. You'll get a, someone will know who you are straight away as you get off the boat. <laughs> someone will tell you what room and where you're staying and someone will hold on to your luggage and make sure that that's taken to the room for you. It's pretty swanky, <laughs> doesn't it, really, when you think yeah, about it? Yeah, it's good, isn't it? It's a good uh, what ticket good you've had to buy for that has turned out to be pretty cool. So you step off the boat, that cutscene plays. You then go forward a bit more, and uh, another little cutscene will play, and it will focus in on the Chobuchan poster. And it, t- yeah. it tells you what Chobuchan is, and it's a little toy that appears in every shop. And if you successfully spot it in the shops, you get a shop card. And there is a lot of these Chobuchans, and some of them are so difficult to find. You could spend hours in the game just doing this. I mean, they, they sort of did a spin-off with the Bailu-chan um, stuff in the um, Battle Rally DLC, and yeah. it's great fun. It's really yeah, addictive I, I, as well. I love this. I think, I might be wrong, but I think there's 120. Sounds about right. Yeah, I think if there's a shop that's manned, by an NPC, I think there's a Chobuchan in there. So there's a couple that actually step off the boat on the right that there isn't. Mm. Um, because, I, well, like I say, there's, there isn't an NPC there, but every other shop and, you know, even the arcade, even the, the hotel, I think even the the martial arts dojo area, the Wushen Hall, I yeah. think that has a, a Chobuchan as well. So, yeah, it's, it's just fun just trying to discover these little yellow chicken things. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's, there's loads of them. And they're, they're some, as I say, some of them are really well hidden. Like Some like form form decoration for, the, for these shops. Yeah, like you, camouflage. You'd miss them. You would absolutely mm. miss them. And um, it was, I think it's an inspired 
um, little mini game actually by by the team at WiseNet. Actually, it's a really good idea. Could be a own game, really. It could. It could be actually. There's a little mobile game for you. <laughs> so they do that. Then you cut. You sort of go off to the left hand side and start walking down the main sort of pier bit, and you get a couple of little cutscenes as well there. Uh, one guy's trying to sell Rio food. He says it's budget friendly. Mm. It's actually out of one of the trailers um, from one of the earlier trailers, actually, in the Aowu. And another yeah. woman tries to sell Rio tea. And he tea, has, that's and, a funny one. And he has a bit, and his face is a picture. He, he's like, oh, I don't know that, and sort of tries to run away pretty quickly. I think probably because last time he, he denied tea at Fang Mei's, <laughs> <laughs> he, he got in trouble for So she keeps offering him tea, and he feels like he's got to keep having it. <laughs> yeah, so he does that. Then at that point, you're free to explore if you want to, but I think you, you arrive in the evening quite late, so you don't have long. So you go back, you go over to the hotel, you meet the um, the hotel clerk, Ma Jialing, I think is how you pronounce it. Yeah. And um, she's the lady with all the curlers in, in her hair. And she, she's a character. Um, we'll yeah, talk- we actually, we've seen concept art of her Project Berkeley days, I believe. I That's one so, of the yeah. ones I can remember seeing. She's been around sort a of while. Like, um, it's like Kung Fu Hustle. Yes. Um, yeah, it's yeah. like a lady in that. I think she's probably inspired by that lady. Yeah, she's a character as well, but we'll talk about a bit more about her later. Um, and then you go up to your room, and and that's that's sort of the end of that particular day. Now, in Hotel Niao, what you obviously have for Kickstarter backers who backed and got the international calling card, you have the phone, so you can call home if you want to, or you can buy the calling cards from, from the reception desk. I can't remember how much they are, but they're relatively pricey, and you only get one use of them, whereas the international... Back, uh, calling card backers get unlimited use of that card, so you can call home to like Tom, etc. I think actually, there's there's two separate things per card. So the international phone card, I think, has its own set of it conversations does. as well. It does. It has its own set of conversations, which is a little bit annoying if you want to play Shenmue three on any other device or mm. console or something that you didn't back on originally. So it's only the, you know, so for me. I mean, I can probably play it on the PS5 because I got the PS4 version. That's where I got the international phone card. But, for example, on the PC, even Steam or Epic, I cannot get those conversations no matter what I do because they're backer exclusive. But, I mean, it was a nice incentive to be a Kickstarter backer, I suppose. Yeah, exactly. And then, so you go up to your room and you sort of settle in. There's some nice little touches in there, actually. You have... um, the there's a notebook on the desk next to Rio's bed where there's some messages from from the fans that's part of the Kickstarter backer um, rewards. There's a poster on the wall of of the Americans. You've got Mark, uh, Tony, and Smith, and a couple of the Mad Angels on there as well. You have some apples that you can take every day, which is always helpful considering Rio wants a break from garlic. It seems, and you can go out <laughs> onto the balcony and walk around as well, which is cool. Really nice view from the balcony as well. Yeah, it's a beautiful view from the balcony, actually. And um, if a little side point is, you still get some conversations with Shen Hua out there. They're not as detailed as what were in Bailey Village, but they're still quite nice conversations to have. So yeah. if you go back yeah. to the room you and you see her standing out on the balcony, you go out and you then have a conversation with her. But that's just a nice little side point. So next morning you get up, you get told by the hotel clerk, uh, it's 28 yuan per night and you have to cough up. Um, so you better get a job if you haven't got any money, basically. Uh, so you can do lucky hit, and you can't, you can't do lucky hit. I'm making that up. Um, you can sell. You can do lucky hit to buy to get toys to sell and tra- trade at the pawn shops. 
You can do a bit of wood chopping, can't you? Do your wood chopping. Did you do forklifting job? Yes, the return of the forklifting, which actually I thought was tastefully done. Yeah, I think it's pretty decent, to be honest. Good fun. And um, also there's the martial arts hall, Wushan Hall, where you can um, go and train, fight other monks and do multi-man battles, etc. there as well. But before you leave and go and do all of that, you have a conversation with Shenhua. Um, you agree that you're going to go out and start interrogating the locals, sort of split up, yeah, kind of thing, and, and away, and that's it. Away you go, and you're now in the Aoi. So the first thing you go and do is you have the photo of Yuan and Zhu that you were given while in um, Bailu Village, and mm-hmm. you go to the Promenade District as the only, and it's the only area you can actually access at this point because, much like Bailu Village, it opens up slowly as the game goes on. What do you think of that as just a, an interesting side point? Because, I mean, obviously they don't want to program conversations for NPCs further down the line for story points that aren't even in those areas, if you know what I mean. So I can see why they may have boarded off some locations, but there is quite a lot of shortcuts, which I do feel like open up a bit too late. Yeah, there are. I mean, annoyingly. you've got like, the shortcut from the, um, from the docks, they go where the coral fishes are. Go round to the back to where Lucian Hall, uh, not uh, the 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 shrine is, for example, where you meet Shilling. Mm, That's a yeah. big one. There's another one at the top of that road where you end up on Sonari Road, etc. And I just, yeah, I just think they probably it's a little bit frustrating. I think probably for for newer players more than anything else. I mean, it's, they did it in Shenmue One for us, if you remember, for example, um, when you start the game and you try and sort of. You're talking about yeah, you can't, like, you, off, can you can't go to Debuita yeah. immediately, so it's it's in keeping with the other games, but I can see the frustration around it. Yeah, but there we are. It is what it is. So you sort of walk around there, and you get a cutscene. Um, this cutscene was leaked by Siebman on on our forums from Walmart of all bloody places. This was interesting, wasn't it? Because at the time we didn't believe him, no. and he he said, I think he came back from Walmart told us and he was posting on the dojo like i've just seen like a brand new trailer and we were like can you go back and get evidence yeah because you know what it's <laughs> like you know what it's like yeah. don't you on the internet and in fair play to him i think peter was streaming at the time and he did yeah it, we were kind of gobsmacked to be honest because there was quite a lot of footage that we we hadn't actually seen up until that point in this new trailer yeah so what happens here is is part of this trailer is that um a guy in blue who's a fortune teller runs down he said he says something like i only told his fortune why wine is bad for his luck and he goes to punch the um the fortune teller so you have a little qte press x and then rio knocks the guy out standard rio really taking taking out people uh his name is he kung zin i don't know if i pronounced that right um <laughs> right. and he's the fortune teller which is a tortoise shell which is on the sort of upper level of the promenade that is another little secret cutscene as well. Well, not not secret as such, because he does tell Rio to, if you ever need your fortune told, come meet me here. But unless you actually do enter his shop, you never actually see this cutscene where he, he kind of like thanks Rio again. Yeah, he does. I, I believe you. Yeah, and he tends. And I don't know if he actually does do fortune telling if you go back to him, or it's just literally just for that one scene. I can't remember. I haven't tried it, but definitely for that one scene, he gives you, he tells you fortune, which is quite a nice little touch, actually. It's, yeah. It could have, I think actually Shenmue 3 could have done with a little bit more of that little... Mm. I just made it feel mm. like an environment and made it feel like it was alive, but that's just a personal, personal feeling. Um, so sort of moving on, you go, you go up the promenade, 
and you can then walk around start asking people stuff and then what happens from that is you follow the street up and you can go into the shrine area where it's a loading area where you're forced to walk if you certain lemon's got a mod for that if you've got it on pc if you don't want to hang around walking and you'll see a shop on the left called the stone buddha and you go there and speak with the um the owner of the shop who suggests that you go to the ferry terminal as I take photo of all the tourists, and there might be a clue there. So, sort of going back into the Bailey Village story, when you're when you're looking through that stonemason's house that's been ransacked, you find the list, and you also find a, a photo of Mister um, Mister Yuan and, and his friend there. So, you've got that photo in your hand essentially, and you're going around asking, "Have you seen this man? Have you seen this man?" And the, yeah. sh- the shop owner turns around and says, "No." But if you go to the ferry terminal, which is um, on the main street where you where you obviously you, you came into Niawu. Um, they have like mm. a big photo board there of all the tourists that are coming in, and she suggests that you look there to see if see if um, he he might be on there at all. Um, so what you end up doing, you you go back to the ferry terminal, you go in there, and you enter first person mode, and you start searching these photos. Um, also inside is a little side point. You can apply for the forklift job. And that's at Dejing, and it the yeah, it ends up being De- Dylan's it's brother, Dylan's, which, yeah, is pretty, which is pretty cool because he goes, because he nice says, touch. he goes, Is that Dylan? and he goes, No, but that's my brother's name because he's kind of dressed the same, yeah, looks the same to a point, to a point, yeah. So it's quite quite a nice little nod to the, to the second game, which I thought, and also he teaches you a move, brawling uppercut two, <laughs> which I found. So, which I, found I, quite I, like, I like those, I mean, I'd, I'd, I think as long as they don't go too over the top with fan service and things but like little easter eggs like that kind of work you know we had that one in shamu 2 where if you go to the the top floor in yantan apartments you get uh, wang's brother yeah yeah that's quite a cool who, one um, actually that's so so they've kind of repeated that again you're getting dalin's brother but i just I, I feel like if that that is a theme in each game that'd be pretty funny so how do i do that in four but we'll we'll, we'll see <laughs> see where it goes um, Could see someone else's brother so you go over to the picture board on the left-hand side and the picture you're looking for is on the, the right-hand board to the far right, second from the bottom. Um, yeah. And you, 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 if you want to take your time, actually, you can see like pictures of like hotel owners, uh, shop owners, etc. Just sort of get a feel for, for Niawu itself. But you find this photo. And in the photo, you, you find what appears to be Mr. Yuan, his friend, and some thugs in front of a Buddha shop. You then go back to the hotel to show Shenhua, and she confirms it is her father. Great, excellent. So now you need to work out where the hell this photo was taken, which takes you over to Vendor Avenue, which, for those of you who are a bit unfamiliar, if you go up the promenade, you come to the split, you turn right, and you walk through where all these shops are. You turn right again, go down the street to the left-hand side, past Joseph Kitchen Noodles, and that's basically the whole sort of area, if you like, for Vendor Avenue. It's with all the basically all like the outdoorsy type shops. So where they're selling food, guitars, everything that you can find in in yep. the hour, it's all there. So you shoot along down there, and you have a walk around. You can start asking people for things if you want to. But when you approach Vendor Avenue, you come across Li Feng, the woman that we saw on the boat, and she says mm. hello to rio and you sort of continue down vendor avenue and going around i think she's doesn't some kid come running up to her or something i think that's a later cut scene but a little bit later okay i might be wrong in that so she just recognizes rio again yeah. 
she kind of like just positioning herself in places she knows Rio's gonna yeah and she pass, kn- kind of yeah she knows that he's around and she recognizes him from the boat which is um, at this point obviously you don't know what what she what her point uh, what say what 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 her role is yeah. in the story is such it appears like Rio's got a little bit of a fancy towards her yeah That's possibly how it, comes across. it does seem that way doesn't he? he's a bit I mean he's rubbish with women anyway but it does come across <laughs> that he, he might might have a bit of a thing for her. So that cut scene sort of comes and goes, and then you sort of walk around Vendor Avenue, you ask your questions, etc. If you want to sort of rush to it, there's a place called Buddha Market is what you need. Uh, as a little boy watching the shop, you ask him about the photo, and he says to come back at 8 o'clock. Yeah, that's when his, his dad comes or something, yeah. Yeah, exactly that. And uh, you can fast travel to 8pm if you want at that point, and you can sort of have a wander around. And then his father comes back and says, he remembers seeing Yuan, he's been guided with some thugs. And he informs you that they were extorting the shops on the promenade and they and the shops over there might know a little bit more about it. So again, this by this point, it's the end of the day. You go back to the hotel to update Shen Huan's situation. And the next day, you head off to the promenade to search for information about the thugs and return to the beginning of Vendor Avenue and go left this time instead of, um, instead of right. So this takes you to the rest of the promenade district. So... You go up some steps, basically, and you've got um, like martial arts shops on the right-hand side. You've got some antique shops on the left-hand side. Behind you, you've got a pawn shop. At the top of the stairs, you've got a big arcade. And much on the right-hand side, you, you've you got um, some more shops. You've got the gambling smart area, ball, except, smart ball yeah. and the gambling areas, etc. as well. And if you keep going straight, it comes out onto Sonari Road, where left, you've got the shrine. And then right, you've got some more sort of shops and bars, but we get there a bit later on anyway. Yeah. So you sort of scoot around there, um, just walking around. And you, this is the cutscene you were just talking about, actually, James. You, right. you see Lee Feng again talking to a child. That's the and, one, yeah. And Rio asks her about these thugs, and she points out there might be a thug just up ahead at the dry goods shop. Mm. Uh, and when you get closer, he's clearly trying to take the woman's money. And I think think they make reference to this in one of the trailers as well they do in fact he goes what are you saying to me and rio grabs his hand and goes, says stop it yeah. that's a cut scene from i believe e3 2019 if my if my memory is correct from that trailer so you go out rio in rio fashion goes we're not having some of this and you have a cut scene a, a qt scene come up which is uh, depending on what you're on triangle square circle for PlayStation Y X B for PC or uh, if you're if you're using an Xbox controller for example and it's quite casual actually how Rio sort of just does it yeah. in sort of casually this is the dodges one where him he keeps, keeps sort of pushing him and he keeps yeah, thinking he, like he's going to fall over and then he grabs him back and yeah he sort of toys with him a little bit and <laughs> yeah. if you if you let it sort of go um, the guy like falls into the shops and stuff and Rio's like oh I shouldn't have done that and it's quite yeah. quite funny um, but it. He toys with him a lot, and it's just—it's the first time I've seen Rhea really toy with a with a thug like that. So it was a bit of a change of pace. So, a little point on Lee Feng. Do you think this little sequence is sort of set up by her, or? I mean, it's possible. I mean, you wouldn't rule it out. I mean, I'd, I'd have been interested to see what was left on the cutting room floor around her involvement as as time sort of progressed, but I, it wouldn't have surprised me if that was manipulated. Yeah. It, just, it, it fits the character later on, which we we'll get into. Mm-hmm. So, after beating the crap out of this um, thug, or say beating the crap out of him, casually just knocking him out, Rio will talk to the shop owner, 
and she tells him that there's these thugs that like to loiter over at Bustling Diner, which is on, on Blossom Road. Mm-hmm. So you go up the promenade, you see the arcade on the left, you come to the fork, and you go to the right-hand side, and you're on New Paradise, you go down to Blossom Road. Head down there, and you'll be forced to walk around the tables that begin with another loading area before you hit it. Again, right in front of that's the Save Shenmue building as well. It is. So before, and this is like a, a sort of a side point, as you come out of there, the Save Shenmue building is right in front of you. And for sort of Kickstarter backers um, who backed at certain tiers, you can go in there. There's, there's photos there of, of people in the game. You can also buy the dice capsule cubes for people who've, who've backed at that tier in there as well. Also, a nice little touch is when you do the forklift job, you sometimes take like big models of like... Um, you know, the um, wacky mole people, uh, etc., and they appear in the Shen- in the safe Shenmue building the next day, which is really That's cool. a nice touch, isn't it? Yeah. So it's all sort of linked, which is really cool. And the music in that building is absolutely fantastic, mm. uh, especially at night. I recommend it. So anyway, as, as, apart from the Sh- safe Shenmue building, you go to you go to the right hand side anyway. You go down the hill. And you head towards a bustling diner. If, again, if you get lost, you can sort of ask people where you're going etc as well um i believe you can i think you can explore the left hand side actually as well we go up to like lou lou hall on the left hand side and also the shrine at the top which is used later on in the game as well but it's worth sort of referencing it yep. so apart from the safe shenmue building which as i say is an awesome place to go um if you go to to the right hand side and what you'll do is you'll wander down the hill and you'll end up at the bustling diner which is on the left hand side and it's the first building on the left hand side you'll see these tables outside with two thugs Liu and Zhang are sitting at it um and a cinematic approach is as, as you approach them and you you fight both of them at the uh, at the same time so you have a little dual fight there when you beat them up you have a little QTE which is X and triangle on PlayStation on xbox it's a and y so after you succeeded they leg it yeah which is which is quite quite good so here we go jimmy chase part two <laughs> um so you get eqts for it i won't sort of go into all of it now um the short ones are easier but you get eqts and what i will say actually is some funny fail states here so one of them you have to they pull this girl off a ladder and she drops to the floor. Rio catches her if you make it. If you don't, she has some sort of like Spider-Man power where she lands <laughs> flat on her feet and she yeah. casually strolls off in Rio's face because he dives to save her. It's quite funny. Another, it is funny another one, which I think is quite, quite funny, is there's this guy carrying this massive log. It's huge. And uh, you duck under it if you complete it. If you don't, he turns around and cracks Rio square in the face with it. Yeah, and there's also the uh, the fire extinguisher. Oh, this is the best one. It's the best one at the end of this one. So you've you've done all of this, and it's looking good, and all the rest of it. And then what ended up happening is the guy launches a fire extinguisher at you. Now Rio, if you make it, sort of casually matrix dodges it, and it looks really cool. Yeah, like a bullet. But if you bugger it up, you get smashed in the face with a fire extinguisher. And it makes a proper thwack sound. Proper clank, yeah. Like, like a proper metal clank sound. It's really funny. Really good. So you lose track of them anyway at the end of it. And you're at the entrance to Vendor Avenue. You think, well, I've got to go and try and find them. 
So you head down Vendor Avenue to the area where you found the Buddha Market stand. And when you enter the next area, a cinematic place where we guess who we meet. We meet Ren. Isn't isn't this the, the scene? Oh, no, that's the handbag scene, isn't it? I'm thinking of where you get the cormorant yeah, ducks that's, and stuff. Yes, yeah. fish, that's the, the a later one. So you go right. on and meet Ren, who is buying noodles from Joseph Kitchen's Fried Noodles of all places. <laughs> and um, Ren's like going, give me food, I want more food. And um, from this point, you have a conversation where he's like, what are you doing here? And he says, oh, treasure, treasure. Yeah, you remember what we said in, in Kowloon? And from this point onwards, you can you can sort of see what Ren sort of casually walking around the harbour area. And sometimes he holds heads sort of towards Golden Goose and New Paradise as well. What did you make of the Ren introduction here? Did you, you think it was a bit lacking or flat for me? For I mean, honest? it's it's a nice, funny scene, kind of. But you, again, I know we've spoken about this before. When Rio sees Chai and Bailey Village, you think there'd be a bit more of a reaction. Yeah, I think character like Ren making it all the way to Niawu. I think Ren's reaction is actually all right because he he, yeah. he, t- he takes a mickey out of Rio goes, oh, you're making that face again and all, all mm. the rest of it. Mm. But I think Rio's reaction is a bit muted. I, I, I would have liked a bit more there, but that's a personal thing. But it's not quite Chai reaction where he clearly has forgotten him. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, the Ren thing is kind of to be expected because Rio's going after something that Ren considers treasure or whatever, and that's yeah. his aim in life, but um, yeah, just popping up there is quite a surprise, I would have thought. And one one little line is Rio turns around and says, I'll oh, rank a pass for one of those um, red red snakes as well. Red snakes, which yeah. Which was yeah. a little bit funny. Yeah, you can see the point. But you're back to square one at the end of the day here. So you go back to the bustling diner to ask about the thugs and the waiters outside who tell you, tells you they trash Hua Zhao Temple, which is on the left-hand side as you come to the fork mm. of the road opposite the Shen That's right at the very top, isn't it? Right at Beautiful the Beautiful building, actually. It's fantastic really nice building. Made Lovely yeah. building. Um, be- it fits the aesthetics really well, actually. And in fact, there's, that's where the... the was it there's something about dreams? Yes, there's called. some of the Kickstarter backer messages are in that. In there. Yeah. So what you end up doing, you go back up there towards the temple, you'll see Louis, Louis He Hall on the left but you can ignore that for now just remember it's there you keep going up the steps and in here you'll see a mess that the thugs have caused and the um the monk there sort of comes out and tells you about the room in the back where the kickstarters back has pledged a lot of money you can find their names on the wall yeah and you go up there if you want to have a look at it and as you go to leave you get a cut scene where the guy tells you that the thugs are, are usually seen around scenario road and you also get i think a random move scroll that's true, you do, don't you? And I think it has got the Hobao Hazuki kanji characters on there. It does indeed. But I'm I'm not I'm not sure whether or not Rio actually makes that point or that's more like mm. a that's something as a player you you, you see. It's it's Fun, is it Thunderpalm? Yeah, and it's left like it's never mentioned ever again. But I just I want because when I picked that up, originally I was sat there thinking this is gonna be vital to the story going forward and it's sort of got yeah. left a little bit. It might yeah, be. I don't know if that's intentional. Four. It's just like a. That's true, yeah. But, but like you say, I think if you inspect the move scroll, it literally says Hiwao Azuki on the thing, mm-hmm. I think. It does. And we, that caused a few theories on the forums, didn't it? But I don't know what I don't know what the aim of that was. I mean, we. Well, I, don't, I think Rio is. He's retracing his father's footsteps. <laughs> it's all, yeah, exactly. And I know we've spoken about it in the past 
you've got that theory with Chen Fu that she's like her own ancestor kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so there's that kind of situation going on with Rio, just not of obviously on the same sort of extent, but Rio is redoing basically what his father did 20 years ago. Yeah, true, and, true. you know, potentially that's what Chen Fu is doing herself that yeah. 20 years ago. I, I don't could, know. You know what I mean? It could be. I mean, <laughs> it's interesting, and it does beg the question, because we know Niawu had some cuts to it in terms of story content that's been publicly talked about for ever since the game was released. And I do wonder if that may have linked into more going on. We, we we'll never know. Um, mm. Although if I ever get hold of um, anybody who'll tell me, I will ask. Yeah. There we are. So side point away, you have to go at this point, you go to Scenario Road. And this is where actually you could have done with the shortcut being open. That's true, like through that door at the bottom there. Yeah, because yeah, it's it's a bit of a trek round, unfortunately. I don't see what you benefit you have by not having that shortcut open, but it does feel like they've kind of like slowly introduced each of these areas. Mm. Um, but like you say, I mean that that door didn't even open till like the very end of the game, so it is a bit of a struggle constantly having to run around just to get yeah. to somewhere that's further up the street from that. But I will stop you now for, uh, for a second, man, as we move into the Sonari Road aspect of this guide. And um, we're going to play something that's going to be coming up within Sonari Road is the Lu Jiao Shrine. And there's a piece of music there just to give us a little bit of a break throughout all this spoken word dialogue. Let's have a little bit of music to break things up a bit. So here it is. Okay, welcome back. That was Lu Jiao Shrine. But yeah, carry on, man. 
Right. I'm glad you stopped me when you did because I was going off on one. <laughs> no problem. There's a lot of we've, got, we've got a couple more coming up, but I, I will. I'll, I'll, um, I'll make sure I intercept you. Yeah, do. Do. Right. So you head off to Scenari Road, which is past Fender Avenue because the bloody shortcut's not open. And you go past like the, the, the sort of the beachfront, for want of a better word, of the river. And you can walk up that road and you keep going. And what you end up seeing is a fisherman's wharf and scenario roads on the left hand side. You enter scenario road and you spot a small boat on the dock with a red snake's logo on it. And next to it is Leo Gerald uh, Shrine. You go there to ask him information about the thugs, but you don't actually see anyone. And it's been it's a tip. It's been trashed like the other temple you've been to. Yeah. And then you sort of continue over looking at the second building, which is on the far left hand side. And you get a cutscene, cutie cutscene with Ling Shilling. And she tries to attack you with a broom. Do you think <laughs> this is the same scene, or do you think it's a different location from early screenshots or whatever we had where these Rio being attacked by, obviously, the same person, Lynn Schilling, on... It sort of had a, a, a backdrop in the yeah. screen early screenshot of, like, you know, the Niawu buildings sort of things across the river, whereas this is kind of, like, away from that now. Yeah, I, I think the cutscene hasn't probably changed. I think maybe the backdrop to it probably changed a little bit as things go on. Yeah. But um, I do find it funny that she's trying to attack you with a broom, so you sort of casually, <laughs> casually get, yeah. get away with that as, as you go and uh, realise that you're not a thug, and she apologises and tell, tells you that she saw the thugs arrive with two men, which are Yuan and Zhu. Yeah. She tells you that she sees them up ahead on Scenario Road several times, and just like the previous temple that you went to, there's if you go into the back building, there's some more Kickstarter notes in the back. So you have a look there for some of the messages there as well. As you leave uh, again, you get a cut scene where she apologizes and, and sort of wants to know what's going on essentially. And Rio is like, well, I can't really get you involved. And you get a Lu Zhao uh, shrine phone card. There is, um, there's also. I don't know if you can access it at this point, but there's like in the second building, there's one of those rotary there is. puzzle things. And I don't actually know how or, you know, if there's a way of discovering how you figure that actually out. I believe there's a side quest to it, which allows you to do it. But don't quote me on that. I can't remember off the top of my head. Okay, interesting. Yeah, I mean, I don't remember either. I just remember Googling how to actually solve that so i don't know if someone just practiced and practiced until something happened <laughs> <laughs> but I, th I think you get a phone card from that as well or you do it... you do you get something from it so get that cut scene rio's like nope you're, you're not getting it yeah i'm not gonna get you involved etc so you leave the shrine you go to the next building over you talk to the the waitress outside and she tells you that um wang zhenyong knows more about the thugs and he's over at duck duck heaven which is up just literally around the side of that building. Yep. You see a path. It goes a sign of it saying Duck Heaven. It goes to this fenced area with ducks inside. And one is in there. You ask about the thugs, and they'll tell you if you help them catch um, the ducks, which is basically the chicken game again, but with <laughs> yeah. ducks. But this time you can actually do it as a job, which is... You can. Uh, you can earn money. Not, not too bad, actually. If I know some of the, the QTs are quite evil, especially on these duck sort of things, but... Um, I, I do feel like I've been playing it again on the, the PC, and I don't know if it's just tighter on the PC, maybe because my PC's a bit more powerful than, you know, when I first experienced it on the PS4 original or whatever back in the, you know, well, back in the day, two years ago. <laughs> but, day. Uh, yeah, but I do feel, feel like the timing was a little bit more punishing on the PS4 than what I just played on the, on Steam. 
But I mean, that could just be because I'm expecting them now. Whereas, yeah, know, f- first playthrough, I'm not. I don't know. I mean, the, the windows are tight. There's no getting around that. I do think they should probably have made them ever so slightly easier for for everybody's sanity. <laughs> yeah, but it's not, not as bad as I remember anyway. No, but I do think they are quite tough, especially on nightmare mode. Christ, they're, they're, the window there is really tough. Mm. So you catch chicken or, or ducks, rather. Wait, getting it confused. And after you've done that, you get told about the thugs and they like to hang around over in New Paradise, which is the gambling area with all the lucky hit boards. I think there's people, some lucky hit boards got some faces on it from Kickstarter backers in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And specifically, he refers to a place called the Golden Goose, which is the casino in the New Paradise district. Um, He gives you some money for catching the ducks and that opens up the job there if you want to go and do it. And you can come back there and sort of whenever you want during the day, earn a bit of money if you want to and practice your QTEs because God forbid you're going to need it. So they head over to New Paradise, which is obviously outside the arcade at the promenade. It's opposite, essentially. You can't really miss it. And you go down to note towards New Paradise. There's not a huge amount there. You've got the Murin Cafe across um, the wooden red bridge. And actually, if you go into that cafe and go down the stairs, you've got the the dummies in there, the wooden dummies, which I always thought was a bit disconcerting. you remember that cafe in there the muren yeah, yeah. always looked a bit strange yeah <laughs> dressed dressed up and painted faces and stuff mm. so i think that was something that you suzuki actually thought it was funny, i remember didn't he? him talking about yeah he was talking about it in one of the early interviews or something he was mentioning this place so i think that was probably fresh on the cutting room floor that they'd just done and he, he, he's quite uh, excited about people seeing this Murren cafe area. <laughs> yeah, it's quite it's quite funny. It was a bit, I did think it's a bit funny, but you also actually train there as well as a training area, which is always handy if you if you if you want it. And in fact, that training area there that you run about with the where you can actually do your uh, one inch punch and your horse mm. stance and etc. There's extra NPCs there that kind of like cheer Rio on. Yeah. And that's like the only areas where these people that actually cheer you on for doing those training activities, which is quite funny or annoying if after quite a while, I suppose they keep saying the same things. <laughs> oh dear. So anyway, you go to the Golden Goose, you go and talk to some of the staff there. You can play some mini games there if you want. Uh, you've got Lucky Hit, you've got, um, I think, Frog Racing and Turtle Racing there as well. So if you want to blow some tokens, good place to do it. Flower, uh, Flower Bird, Wind, Wind and Moon as well. As well yeah. yeah, Go and do that. The staff won't tell you anything. Rather unhelpful when you're blowing tokens. Thank you. You know, could have given me some information. Um, you, what you then go and do is um, you've got the prize exchange next door. You go to the second floor and you you talk to the to the person on the desk there who tells you they yeah, cause a lot of a trouble lady. at the mm. Mirren Cafe. So... You can then go back to the Marin Cafe and speak to the two people over by the stairs, and they'll tell you that Kisu, or Husu, I can't pronounce that, he's the big dude, <laughs> basically, um, yeah. from Liu Hu Hall, drove off the Red Snakes one time, and that he's pretty pretty handy with Kung Fu. And again, it makes reference if you want to practice your Kung Fu there, you can go and do it. So when you're done there, you can go to Liu Hu Hall, um, which is on Blossom Road on the left-hand side before you hit the temple. So you go up there and you find it empty. There's a lady standing outside and she tells you that Sue isn't there at the moment and you should come back tomorrow. That's the end of your day. That's all you can do. So you can either go back to the hotel or you can sort of mess around, play some mini games, do some forklifting, whatever takes your fancy because you're going to need some money later on. But we'll get to that point. Next morning, you leave your room. 
you see this wealthy couple cross from Shenhar's room and exit again. Now, I missed this actually. So going back to it, the first day that you're there, you see them come out of this room complaining about the room. They're complaining about it again, basically. Yeah, yeah. They're yeah. talking about upgrading to a suite. So quite an interesting couple, aren't they? Yeah, they're very. I can't remember the term they use for it in the game, but there's a certain term they use in the game for them, which is quite interesting. Yeah, and the music that plays kind of is a bit comical in tits. Uh... Yeah, very comical, very comical. Mm. So next morning, you leave your hotel and you're going to head off to the Louis Hugh Hall. So you leave the hotel and you start heading back to the hall. As you approach Vendor Avenue, you get a cinematic where you see that particular couple uh, splashing the cash. Uh, and they're trying to buy monk fruit, actually. It's another cut. It's a cut That's scene right, again yeah. from, I think it's 2019, uh, E3, or it might be games. I can't quite remember the timings. Or is it the the release trailer of A Day in the Life? It maybe? might be in that as well, you know, as well. Mm. Um so cutscene, sort of cin- cinematic cutscene, and you get a robber nicks the purse of the of the lady. You get your QTE sequence. This is the one you're talking about, the Coromont fishers fishermen. Right. So this eventually the guy runs and heads down to them. Yeah, exactly that. So the chase kicks off and you jump over some tables and stuff. And there's a couple of little funny cutscenes here, like one bit where the, the, the thief runs past a guy fishing, knocks his fish over, Rio can um cock that up. And like go I flying. Love, over, I love that little bit over just... the fish, and the guy bops him on the head with with his yeah with his. Yeah, um... I mentioned mentioned it before to Peter that for some reason the, just the graphics look better in these scenes. I don't know why it just looks know. smoother and like those those fish bobbing on the the deck. It just looks so good. It's um it's funny, isn't it? I think the, I actually think the cutscenes in terms of the way they've been captured are very well done. Um, I know the game animations get sort of slated a little bit but the cutscene animations the fighting animations in those cutscenes are really good they're really smooth they look really really good and actually can show that if there's you, know, you have the time to do it you can get some really good stuff but obviously budget and etc comes into it but yeah. i will leave that there there's another little cutscene where you try to jump on the boats if you bugger it up you end up falling in the water the last one that you bugger up if you do um real fall flat forward and you hold on to the boat at one end, his feet are on the other, and it starts like moving away. So he's going in the water, and the coromant bird just sort of squawks in his face, and he goes poof, straight into the water. <laughs> and, a, yeah, another one of the funny cutscene things. So if there's an excuse for the for the QTEs being hard, you get some good sort of um, fail states, which is quite good. Anyway, assuming you pass QTE, of course, you end up on this boat, and the coromant fisherman is the fisherman that you saw at the start of the Niawi section. Uh, basically owns this dude, recovers the purse and gives it to Rio. And then Rio takes the purse back to the hotel, leaves it with the clerk, and it will return to the couple when they go back. Which now means you can actually make it to Louis He Hall and you meet Ki Su there. He will ask you to spar before he's wanted to talk with you. You spar with him, you have a chat, and he says that the Red Snakes often go to the Golden Goose. Right, so... Before we get back to the Golden Goose then, obviously that's in New Paradise, so I was going to play a piece of music that plays in New Paradise. So let's have a little break and we'll listen to that right now.
Okay, welcome back. It was New Paradise, and we're heading back there again right now, Mark. We are. So now we're heading off to the Golden Goose, and you still find that the employees won't talk to you about the Red Snakes at all. If you talk to the guy on the desk about becoming a VIP member, she informs you that it takes two months to process the application. Alternatively, you can become a VIP on the spot if you can get a referral letter from an existing Golden Goose member. So the next start of the sort of quest is you've got to find somebody to let you in, essentially. So you start searching and everybody you speak to isn't particularly helpful. They don't really tell you if they know anybody or they don't know any VIP members because they're all wealthy and they don't sort of socialise in their circles. Maybe told millions of times to search for rich people, but where do you find them? Mm. If you ask Sue at uh, Lehu Hall, he says the harbour employees at the warehouse often go to the Golden Goose. They might be able to point you in the right direction. You can actually skip all that and uh, speak with one of the Fortlift employees, and they'll tell you to speak to Ji uh, Jing, and then he turns around and gives you a bit of advice there. But then what you can do as well... Oh, this is weird. I didn't do this, you know. I'm reading it. Whereabouts are you now? I've, I've kind of lost. <laughs> Golden Goose VIP, third paragraph. When you get to the ferry terminal, you speak tongues. Really, the brother is a rich guy. Okay. I think they all kind of say the same thing because I went down and I, I think I spoke to like that Rick Tamblin, whatever the fuck his name is. Oh, yeah. yeah I think yeah. he says a very similar thing, but you can go with this because this is how you, you essentially meet Deijing, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, it's okay. So you head over, you speak to Deijing. You obviously know who he is. We've sort of talked about it already. He's, he's, he's Dylan's brother, essentially. He tells you the rich guy has been going to the Golden Goose a lot and he's staying at the hotel in Niawu. Hmm. It's good that actually this is just one of many ways of discovering this information. It You're is. very Shemu-esque. It's not one specific person has the details. You no, can... which is why I got thrown a little bit when reading it because I thought I didn't do it that way, but it, it doesn't yeah. matter. Um, it's you realize sort of this flashback moment of that wealthy couple at the hotel, and you go back to the hotel. When you go inside, you have to go and knock on their door. It's room two hundred seven. No one's there. You go downstairs. You speak to the hotel clerk. And you actually learn they've complained and upgraded to a suite, which is now room 203. So you go and knock on the door and the guy answers and doesn't recognise you. But his wife comes to the door, realises who you are, the one who got her purse back. And there you go. She makes All the her seeds own, are planted. <laughs> yeah, she makes her husband give you the referral letter that you need. Now you actually have the Golden Goose referral you can go in. So you go back over there, you get your VIP card, you have to pay 300 yuan to get in for a processing fee. So just be aware that you do need some money. I think you should go out of your way to get money anyway yeah. at this point because something's coming up where you're going to be shocked, I think. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we'll get there. And you go down the steps into the Golden Goose VIP lounge. At the bottom of these steps, you get a, quite a nice cut scene, actually, where the Red Snake Slugs are hanging around, bigging up their stories about you. They're thinking, yeah, I've taken, yeah, basically boasted and they beat up Rio when they clearly didn't. This is kind of like, a, you know, in Japan, you've got these cafes um yeah hostess bars yeah yeah yeah, yeah yeah feels like one of them doesn't it it does it feels like slightly yakuza-esque actually yeah in the way it's sort of put over but that's just just me you have a fight with it's a it's the free fight it's not cinematic and it's probably it's probably the biggest fight in the game at this point because there's quite a few of them knocking around at this point and it's quite cool if you position yourself well when you're sort of flinging these guys around if you can actually smash up 
some of the glass cabinets and stuff that are dotted around, which is yeah, you can good use like, of the environment. You can trash it, which is quite cool. It brings me back to the fight um, at Duljang Diner in Shenmue 2, where you can start yeah, through tables, through and tables and stuff. Yeah, so that's really cool. I, I like when they've they've actually done that to include the environment in the fights. So Rio takes them out, and he forces one of them to talk. Uh, he draws a map for you to locate the Red Snake's hideout, which is located directly behind Hotel Niawu, which if you go around the back of it, there's some steps into yeah. this area, and up you go. He draws a map, actually, and this is where yes. he's kick, you know, he's kicking his leg as he's, uh, yeah, he's, he's, like, he's trying to draw some map. Hurry him up. Very Wong-esque map as well, like very detailed. Yeah. <laughs> so they run off, and... You go up around the back of the hotel, and you can see where the air is blocked off. They've obviously broken through and gone up the steps. You can have a look around actually up there as well. For like, there's there's a few buildings up there you can go and look in, and you can pick up some herbs, etc. As well, yeah, it's kind of some Easter eggs. There's a there's a little area with like a Yu Suzuki doll, yes. is there, or a poster or something? Poster, poster. Um, yeah, I feel like they. Oh no, there's like an, another like sort of Miren dummy thing lying in yeah. the bed or something. I think. Bit, bit strange, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you go up there anyway, and you go to this large warehouse, which actually has Virtua Fighter written on it randomly. Mm. I, I think there's just like loads of little Easter eggs like this mm. for, for fans of the series. So you walk in, you get this cutscene where, again, it's... Um... I tell you what, just thinking about it, is it very esque of the Project Berkeley graffiti on the wall in Shemmy it 1. is very much so it's in that vein yeah, yeah i'd agree with that actually it's very much in that project berkeley like graffiti vein but so you walk in and you get this cutscene where the lights flash in rio's face which is at the end of one of the cutscene uh trailers actually and yeah. it's mr g or g that pops up big dude mr muscles we refer to him as in, in the community as i'm sure you all know and um basically you have a fight with all of the thugs again you take those guys out and then you go along again and you have a fight with you and he kicks the living crap out of you basically. And what he does, even start, if you beat him, <laughs> even if you beat him. Yeah. It's, yeah. Again, it's a bit like the Yang Lang fight in that you can't actually win. Unfortunately, there's a couple of those in Shemu too, actually, isn't there with Donu as well. So yeah, it's not a, a new it's thing. Not, it's not unheard of. It's, um, mm. it's just, yeah, it's just one of the, it's very Shenmue to do that. Yeah. Um, but what he does, Mr. G, is he starts whacking out like random martial arts stance, like Mantis stance, Tiger. There's a few others as well. So and he he like nails Rio quite quite considerably, even though Rio's like trying to block him and everything. He just like he goes through him essentially. So you lose. You get cinematic after it as well, um, where you go back after having your pasting. He throws you out. And you go back to the hotel, and, and, and Shen Hua's like, "Oh my God, Rio, you know, are you okay?" And he's got cuts yeah. over his face, and he's like, oh, "Sort yeah, of comforts Rio a little bit." Yeah. So next morning, you meet up with Ren on the pier, and Ren volunteers himself to go back with you to go and have this brawl. It does advise that you might want to practice your kung fu, but it doesn't make a difference. You're more practicing it for for the end of the game at this point than anything else. So you go off, Ren goes, you have this cutscene with Ren. He says, meet me at the, at, you know, the ferry terminal, I'm staying there. The two of you then go and break into the Red Snake's hideout. You fight the, the low-level thugs again. You take them down quite easily. G comes out, Ren tries to attack him and fails miserably. Um, reminds me a little bit where he tries to attack Dol Neo, actually, where Rio's about Punching to him in the stomach. Yeah, and he's trying to yeah. kick him and everything. It's just like nothing's taking him down. It's quite, it's very reminiscent of that, actually. Yeah. You fight the boss again and you get beaten 
to hell and you leg it, basically. So the next morning on the pier, Ren and Rio discuss their options. And the only way to defeat him is to seek out the help of a martial arts master, which is ironically Rio's job to go and do. So what, you know, what masters have we met? So you, the one that sort of springs out is Sue, the big guy, basically, that you met at Luhi Hall a while back. You go up there and spar with him, ask for advice about what to do. And he tells you about his master, a grandmaster named Grandmaster Bay. He suggests you talk to him down by the harbour. So Grandmaster Bay here, um, he's a fisherman. You find him on the Fisherman's Wharf. And he's the guy who helped you get the purse back, the guy who sort of showed up all these moves. Um, you go and have a visit and you have a cutscene with him where you basically can't touch him. And he tells you the Kung Fu is lacking. And actually, this is the opening bit from the E3 2019 trailer. Actually, he goes, honestly, I don't think your Kung Fu is strong enough. There's a, um, quite a big emphasis on Kung Fu in this game in terms of like Rio's lacking it. Yeah. You know, in the previous the... two games, it seems like Masters have been quite impressed by Rio and, you know, they've been wanting to teach him different things. And obviously we had the, with, with Shuing trying to teach him more patience and that sort of stuff. Whereas in Shimu 3, it seems like the Masters are even more advanced, <laughs> it seems. And, uh, you know, they're kind of looking down on Rio a little they bit. Are, um... A bit, and also you got to bear in mind this is only months into the journey. It's not like I mean we waited twenty years, but in game time he's he's what six months into this journey, so he is going to be lacking in kung fu, isn't he? He's not yeah. he's not going to be able to take take these people down. The cutscenes actually, I think, is one of the best ones in the game, where he's throwing all these moves at him and he just can't touch him. Yeah, it is very martial arts movie looking yeah. at how he's you know he's doing the the arm moves to block all the punches mm. and stuff. It's very cool, very cinematic. So. At this point, he tells you to work on your Kung Fu before willing to help you. You go back to the hotel, speak with Shenhua about the fisherman, and then the next morning you meet up with Ren again. So the next task here is to try to find someone who can identify the kind of martial arts that the, the Mr. G was using so that Rio can find a way to counter and defeat him. Yeah. So you start looking for a place where martial artists go. So much like Marshall Hall in Bailey Village, you've got the Wu Shen Hall, but it's not particularly of any help. You visit Sue over at Lee Hu Hall. He'll ask you to spar again. And he suggests you practice your horse stance from Boofy Kung Fu. You can skip this if you've already done that and you've maxed out anyway. After that, Rio will be disappointed and ask if there's another place where martial arts go together. And then you go back to the Murung Cafe. Over at Murung Cafe, New Paradise, you can practice there again. That's where they will sort of cheer you on. Yeah. Speak with the manager there. He says he can't help you identify the move that Boss Slug does. But suggests again, you want to practice some kung fu. You can. It's almost like the game's hinting at you to yeah. It's trying in here. If you've not caught up yet, you know it's trying to say make sure you get your martial arts in now because you're going to need it soon. Yeah, exactly, exactly that. Um, he's uh, Rio's disappointed again, and he tells you he asks the manager where else can I go, and he actually says was a place where fighters like to gather and perform street fights. Mm, That's Mm. good. Now this is probably one of my favourite little areas. Actually, it's called the Rose Garden. So. You go over to the Rose Garden and you possibly heard about it actually from Shenhua in one of the night kind of conversations. She mentions something about a Rose Garden and it's down yeah, the back the, alley. Like the Shenmue conversations in the hour are a bit more like tutorials, aren't they? She'll keep saying like, this, yeah, I've heard they are. about fortune tellers that can do colours and that sort of stuff. I've heard about a place where people go to practice martial arts and fight and stuff. 
a rose something place i think she's heard and yeah i think she says it. something like why would they be why would it be called the rose garden or something and if they go there to fight or something like that because of obviously the flower side of things she's thinking of yeah and it's yeah it shows her innocence a little bit actually yeah exactly uh, it's quite, quite a nice little touch. I mean, as, as I say, the conversation with Shenhua and Yao were good. They're just not... I wish they had the same details by Lu because the Bailu ones are fantastic. She's more kind of like surprised by some of the things that are happening. Like we said at the start of the show, how she's come from this rural background and a lot of this stuff is alien to her. So yeah. she's like explaining it to Rio as though it's like the first time they're both hearing about it kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, and, he, and she's never seen it before. Obviously, Rio, having been through Kowloon's, uh, is, is, is very well versed in street fighting, shall we say. Yeah. <laughs> so you go over to the Rose Garden and you, you talk to the, to the guy who's like organising it there, who actually his model is very much the model of the, the scout in Shenmue 2. He looks very yeah, much I like him, doesn't again, he? Again, I don't know if that's on purpose or an accident or what i don't know. I, I suppose we'll never know but uh, there's, there's there's quite a lot of these models that have been re- reused very reminiscent isn't it yeah very reminiscent so you have to you complete one round of fighting at the rose garden you get told the host doesn't know anything about martial arts moves but he will start guiding you into the direction of martial arts shops which is quite helpful it's cool i don't know if you can do it here and now but if you do go through all the martial arts fights at the rose garden the last fight, I believe, is the guy that was in Bailey Village who was doing it the is. training on the on the, the sticks things it is or whatever. Indeed, yeah, the platform. So that's quite a, a nice little. Um... It's quite cool, isn't it? That you, they just sort of did they threw that in there, which is nice. And I think as well with Rose Garden, you can get sort of two three man fights in there as well, which is a, which is another nice touch. And you you earn tokens. I think you get a move scroll at the end of it as well. So and money as well, money. Yeah, cool. so you can. And start earning yourself some real, real cash, which you're gonna need very soon, believe me. So you fight your round, you get told to look at martial art shops. So you can go to sort of any, there's four sort of martial art shops dotted around uh, Niawu. Uh, you can go to any of them um, because as long as you get the order of the moves right, they're talking about it moves the game on essentially. So you visit one, they ask you to describe what type of animal moves the boss is using, Xi is using. And he will remember four styles that he used, and you have to guess which animal resembles his move. You get two options for the for the moves. And this some this is I think where I think that some people may have got frustrated. Actually some of the animal choices you get to the animation itself are very similar. Yeah, and the problem you've got is because you've got to answer four yeah. correctly you kind of don't know which ones you've got right and which ones you haven't. So say if you got the first two right, but the third wrong, and you you, you know you fail kind of thing, yeah. but you, you don't actually know if it was one of the first two. So there was a lot of times I kept questioning myself on my first playthrough whether, okay, was that a snake or was that a dragon? You know, very similar looking things going on. Yeah, it's it's difficult. I mean, the order for anybody who, who has struggled with it is snake, monkey, dragon, bear. Um, or they've quite helpfully in this guide actually turned around and said it's left, right, right, left. So yeah. there you go. Just in case you forget in the future. Yeah. <laughs> so once you've just, you've done that, you describe the moves. Uh, he remembers the shop employee uh, will tell you the, the style of the, the, the martial arts boss uh, style the boss uses. He uses. It's called Zing Yu Li Hu Guan style, which he basically uses animal moves based on the ten great spirit animals. And he recommends you use a Bajiquan Sijigun move to counter his attacks. Okay. 
you then have to locate the Bajiquan Arcane Scroll to learn the move. Um, and this is not actually where you are at the moment. You have to go to a specific shop for it. All the other ones are sold out, essentially. So you have to go to the only shop in town that has it, which is Heaven's Fist and Scenario Road. So you walk back over there and you get shown the um, the, <laughs> the bloody book. Yeah, and, it's not a typo. I like that. Yeah, and apparently it's a discounted price of 5,000 yuan. Which, I don't know, for people that have actually played Shenmue, I, it, it feels like it's harder in a way to make money just because of the, the roundabout way that you, you go about earning money in, in Shenmue 3, gambling side, at least obviously in Shenmue 2. You can gamble with your money. If you double your money, you double your money. Yeah. Whereas in Shenmue 3, if you double... You're doubling tokens, yeah, no, which yeah. then you have to go and buy stuff. out your way to buy gems and then sell the gems at a, a lower price. So even if you've got 40,000 tokens, mm-hmm. for example, you can perhaps only buy 10 gems that sell for like 300 yuan each. So there's quite a lot of money grinding, yeah. depending on what you do. I mean, on my recent playthrough, I found that some of the the high stake lucky hit boards were probably best just save before you Mm. use it and just keep going until you win i used the one that was in i don't know if it was inside or just outside i think it was um lucky hit board with like a a chinese lady face on there and it was 40 times i believe and you had to hit the target three times in a row but i was finding that if you go all the way to the left and drop your ball you know, there's like a 50-50 chance of it actually landing in the slot. So you just need a lot of luck and probably about 30, 40 minutes of thingy. And then once I hit that, I got 40 times a 1,000. So I got 40,000. I was pretty much done, basically, yeah. money-wise. Um, I mean, the other thing you can do as well, if you've sort of been picking up herbs or, or whatever, at this point, you can trade them for money as well. And Yeah, get- herbs probably the quickest and easiest if you've been doing it as you've been playing, because you get some massive bucks from that, like some of the... The Fortlift job as well is quite good. You can earn like a few hundred pretty quickly. Um, I think what puts people off is when they get to the stage, if they've not been doing any of that, yeah, you've got a massive grind ahead of you. You do. But if you, if you kind of like, not that you know this is coming up, but if you preempt this and just gamble and you know earn as you're playing jobs, which you need anyway in the, in the Bailey Village, even you need... Is it two thousand or whatever for the um, the Luzhou alcohol? Yeah, for... it's two thousand for that. So it's quite a big jump. Yeah. So, I mean, you're probably well versed already with collecting money at this stage, but just make sure you're doing it as you're progressing, and it, it's not as painful as yeah, it is and... just reaching this. And <laughs> I mean, it is a pain in the backside. I mean, Shenmue Two does it twice as well, so it's not unknown yeah. to, to Shenmue games. But I do think the amount of it was was harsh and i know this is something that ryan said to me when i interviewed him he felt the economy a little was a little bit harsh in that respect and i get it i think it'd be good if the save thing had carried on because then if you'd carried over your money from shenmue 2 i mean in this game at least you don't lose your bag no, you don't lose your right wouldn't you <laughs> so if if that was a thing then yeah everything you'd earned in shenmue 2 you know especially towards the end of the game where you've got those big three street fights where you get you've probably got about 10k mm. yuan at the end of beating Shu Yan or whatever her name is. Yeah, you get you get a lot of money. You're loaded by the point you leave leave Kowloon. You're absolutely minted. So, so that, would have been, a... that would have come in handy at least. <laughs> I, I get it. I get it. And the yeah. save transfer issues and all the rest of it. But the move, after costing 5,000 yuan, is um, 
called Reverse Body Check, which has its own controversies, which we'll come to in a minute. Uh, you go back to the hotel to show Shenhua. Next morning, you show Ren, only to discover that the last page of the bloody skill book is mis- missing. But you make the sort of assumption that Grandmaster Bay will know. He does know what was on it, but won't teach you the move unless you can prove you are strong enough to use it. So if you haven't done this already, he will request that you go to the Wuxian Hall and defeat the strongest student there, known as White Tiger. And he... Which is actually Dan 9, I yes. think, from memory, from it just is. playing, because I think the final Dan... Is the actual guy himself that you talk to at the at the door, perhaps, or gold tiger? It's gold, or gold tiger, or gold dragon, or something. I think it was yeah. the last one. Um, so you have to fight him and beat him essentially. And what what I thought was a nice touch here actually is if when you reach the top of the ranking yep. at this this um, um, martial arts hall, you can go and look at the name tags on the wall, find Rio's name, and he just says a little thing. I, I, I've made it. To, I, I'm number one. I've made it to the top. Father, are you watching? Yeah, hope you're that, watching, Father. Yeah, of, that's yeah. really nice. I think Shenmue Three has that kind of like self-discovery for Rio. He's obviously he's had these experiences of his father in Bailey Village with the tree and stuff. He's had memories of his father there, and you've, we've, we've said he's he's following his father's footsteps. He's got that move scroll. He's he's had that message mm. from Bailey Village about Rio's mother. Um, so I think at this this point in the game, you know, Rio is just. I think he realizes how far he's come, and you yes. know, so hopefully his father's proud. It's a long journey for him, and there's a long way to go yet. So, assuming you defeat White Dragon, um, you go back and you learn Reverse Body Check, um, and it's 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 Baji Kwan move. Now, it's controversial in the sense of it is very very similar to Body Check. There is a different hand form and different slight movement to it in terms of the way he moves around to, to, to use the move, but they are one basically one and the same. But I would add, as a, not as a defence, but as, as a point of reference, actually, you weren't even going to learn body checking by Lou. They added it, that in later once they got the money from, from Deep Silver coming in. So I, I do wonder whether the reverse body check was already done and then they sort of thought, well, we can do something like that in Bailu. And they are two separate moves in, in Baji Kwan. And if you look at Akira's um, Virtual Fighter moveset, they are separate moves. Mm. But I think because it's it's not far off the same move, and also you're having to grind for money, I I get where people were coming from, that they were yeah. they found this quite tedious and it's a bit like a mirrored, a mirrored animation, really. Into yeah. And, it's a shame, really, but they could have maybe slightly change the move mm, to be possibly, something else, possibly. possibly. I don't know. So, seeing as though Rio's learnt this move from Master Bay, uh, we're going to play that piece of music that actually plays that you've chosen, Matt. Yes, indeed. And it's a favourite of mine, actually. It's, although, hark back to Shenmue 2, it's Wise Man's Quarter, visiting history and tradition, and it plays when you learn the reverse body check with Grandmaster Bay. It's interesting, actually. They the know where it's from in a sense that they've named it Wise Men's Quarter. But it, it's kind of like a slight variant, I believe. It's got a different sort of tone to the sound. It does. It's, um, yeah. And it's uncompressed and it sounds lovely. And here it is.
Okay, welcome back again. So that was Wiseman's Quarter, Visiting History and Tradition. You want to carry on, Matt? Yep. So we're getting sort of nearer to the to the business end of the game now. Um, you've learnt your reverse body check. You've realised it's a separate move. And you go and see Ren straight afterwards. And he tells you, right, we're going to the Red Snakes hideout at 5pm. We're going to take this guy down, basically. You turn up at 5. If you don't want to go there straight away, you can obviously sort of move around, do what you want in terms of mini games, etc., etc. You go up there anyway, you sneak in, but the thugs aren't there. They've disappeared. Instead, there's one person sat there, Lee Feng. Mm, this was an interesting scene. She is the woman who was on the boat, and she's just sitting there tossing some stuff into the bonfire, and she informed you that she has told the Red Snakes to leave as it's her land. It seems very sinister, doesn't it? Like, obviously, at this point, you don't know who she is. It's just got a, a very sinister mm. feeling to it. And she actually um, she mentioned something about a girl that's been kidnapped, or uh, I don't know if she mentions it here, but she does mention something about there was a girl that went with them. Yeah. And then she does like a little smile. It zooms in on her face. It does. It's got sort of an evil smile. So it's it's starting to pick up now. This bit. Mm. So you go back to the hotel. You get a letter from Li Feng, which was left behind the desk, and it says that Shenhua has been abducted and taken to the old castle across the river. Okay, so that was from Li Feng, was it? It was. Does does the the hotel lady remembers that she was chatting to Shenfa, right? That's right. And then, so she says she left a letter. Yeah, that's correct. For you, Rio. That's yeah. correct. Okay. And she manipulates uh, Shenhua to say that the Red Snakes have gotten Rio and that she needs to go with her, which I thought, yeah. again, it sort of plays into who the character is. Sneaky, sneaky. Who the character is. Yeah, sneaky, sneaky. <laughs> It plays into who she is. Anyway, it turns around and says that if you want to get her back, you have to give hand over the Phoenix Mirror. But how are you going to get across the old castle? The other question is, how do they know you've got the Phoenix Mirror? But that's mm, that's interesting as well, isn't it? Another, another query. You can't swim. There's no bridge. You have to get a boat. Ren, in his infinite wisdom, gets you to do that task for him. <laughs> <laughs> but there you go. Just, just. I will mention as well, just in case anyone's missed this, but... Obviously, if you're using the English dub, we did manage to get Eric Kelso back to revoice Ren. Yeah. So, uh, obviously, Greg Chun did a very good retelling of Ren, as it were. Yeah. And I've just played it through in the the Japanese dub, and I think Ren sounds great in the in the Japanese dub as well. In fact, the whole Japanese dub is Excellent. pretty fantastic, to be honest. Yeah. I think that probably is the way to go. But if you are very nostalgic for the English version and Eric Calso is one of those people that you can't live without. He also voiced Fukusan and Guizang in the phone conversations as well. Indeed. We mentioned the international phone calls earlier. Paddy and obviously a, f- a few more people, Lemonades and that sort of stuff. The, the usuals, the usual modders and that what They managed to get coerce <laughs> Eric oh, back to, <laughs> to to revoice these lines. So yeah, that's something you can download over on the forums. Yeah. I'll probably and... pop a link in the description if this is brand new news to you. But yeah, it's well worth doing. Um, and there's a nice little little Easter egg actually at the end, which we'll come to with that mod. But we'll yeah. come to it at the end of end of the game if that's all right. Yeah. Of course. So we'll go straight over. You've got to find this boat, which Ren is giving you the task to do. Great. Okay. So basically, now you're coming into the end game. So once you locate a boat and you, you lock yourself into the sequence, that is it. You are leaving the owl to go to the castle. So if you want to do any side quests, finish any bits off, etc., now is the time to do it. There's one thing I'll, I'll say, and this has happened a couple of times, and I think it may have happened to someone else, but when you do do this bit, 
I feel like it's supposed to push you forward. Whereas for me, it left me hanging at like 10 a.m. and I couldn't do anything until I slept at 7. Then the game, right, yeah. the game just carried on playing. It wasn't like I could skip or wait or anything. So I, I just sat the controller down and just waited for the time because I had nothing else to do kind of thing. Yeah. It's, I don't yeah, know if that's a bug or that's I'm the way sure, it's intended. I'm not sure. Um, but it was, yeah, you sort of have to kill the time basically. Um, yeah. Which, I, yeah, would have been nice. You got time to skip everywhere else. It's surprising you didn't get one there. But there we go. So you go around the fishing wharf basically and you, you find Grandmaster Bay at the end of it who says he'll sort of reluctantly tell, take you because you, you, you haven't really got a choice essentially. So there we are. So that locks you into to the, the the start of the old castle, if you like. So you can go and kill some time if you like, and you have the rest of the day to do what you want. And you visit Ren to tell him about the boat. At this point, actually, at night, you get a cutscene where Rio is on the balcony, basically talking to himself, saying that um, he's going to come come for Shenhua and save her and for her to hang in there, which I thought was a nice touch. Cause... That is a nice touch, yeah. This is kind of like a hiddenish cutscene. You kind of mm. have to go onto the balcony at this point. So like I was saying, you've got to wait till night time. So if you do go back to the, the hotel, back to your room, and you head on out to the balcony, even though Shenhua's not there, just do it. And you get a nice little cutscene where the camera sort of pans out on Rio. And, it's... and he, he grabs the yeah. balcony like railings a bit the wood creaks as he sort of tenses and it's quite well done um and it's just obviously a lot of Shenmue 3 is is the race between Rio and Shenhua certainly in Bailu Village especially so it's a nice little payoff there in that respect and um, yeah. so it's quite Up well to done. this point obviously they've been such a I don't want to say an item but you know they've they've been held at the waist basically and they joined at the waist mm. throughout all of Bailu and most of Niawu I suppose even though you don't really see Shenhua as much they're still kind of together mm. you know joint rooms going back and telling each other what they found throughout the day so yeah it is a nice touch and there is quite a lot of these hidden cutscenes that you, you can miss really if you don't know where they are or you yeah, just stumble across them definitely. which kind of just add a bit of character to Niawu. yeah it, it does a bit which which is nice so assuming you get up the next morning you head on over meet up with Ren and he surprises you bringing bringing some reinforcements Sue from Lee Hu Hall and shilling from Li Zhao Shrine. Um, I'll be honest, in story con- context point of view, uh, Mr. Hsu, I can sort of see a bit more because you speak to him, you spar with him, you ask a lot of questions from him. I get that one a little bit more. Shilling, I think, was missing something. There is a side quest for her, which gives you a bit more character to her. Yeah. But when you read her bio on the Japanese website, there's a lot more to her. And I just get the impression there's going to be more around her than what we got. So her being there is almost a bit random, if I'm being honest. Yeah, no, I, I do agree with that. I think, and she was like kind of the one of the characters they were teasing a bit with the trailer yeah, and that yeah. sort of stuff that we we're expecting to see more of. And she seemed yeah. like more interesting than some of the other characters, perhaps that got more airtime, as it were. It, mm. it looked like she was quite a a unique character that I would have liked to have seen more of. Yeah, I, I would have done, because I actually think she's got quite a nice character to her. I think there's, there could have been a really nice... And the know, model's probably, excellent as well. Yes, you can tell they they were considered, certainly had bigger things planned, I think, by the quality of her model. She's one of those characters, I think, it's a good like one-game character, if you know what I mean, that yeah. you build a relationship Hang with. sort of character. Yeah, they help you out, and then you go on your jolly way. But you don't quite get that unfortunately here with with Shenry 3 so it's a bit random um 
But anyway, sort of, as an aside, that was. Having said that, though, I will say that it seems like throughout this, Ren has been going around speaking to the same characters. It and does. Ren has had more of an interaction, perhaps, because I think it's Ren that kind of like bundles this cast of characters together to, yeah. to tackle the old castle. So, all right, then, as a side question to that, character yeah. perspective system. We already know that there was a, a Bailey Village um, task for Ren, which got cut. Um, mm. Stuart found that and put it on our forums, if you remember. Do you think that could have played in here, the character perspective system, that you could have been Ren going around, doing these tasks, building that rapport? Possibly, like, doing another side quest with these characters, perhaps. I mean, yeah. when I first saw that in the Kickstarter information and whatnot and Yusuke's videos about Baisha and stuff, I felt like that was stuff that was going to be held into Baisha. Mm. Like, we had... I don't know where we got this perception from, but I felt like there was going to be, like, an infiltration sort of thing into some sort of... Like, say, like, the old castle, but, like, in Baisha... And we were going to have, like, you know, we mentioned it before about that concept art of Rio looking for the binoculars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Down at that sort of thing. And, you know, there was talk about Ren being on a horse or something. I, I, I don't know where I've got this information from, but that's just some of the stuff I was feeling like. And some of the later stretch goals, like about high upper tier fighting thing, I, f- I forgot what it was called, like the higher ground system or something. It just yeah. kind of felt like they were building up to this sort of siege mm. you know almost like i forgot what it's called but like a, a kingdom it's like a game based on it right so warring like, kingdoms warring kingdoms that kind of style where that you know they're all kind of like attacking on horses and infiltrating this big siege sort of thing i mean i might be talking about at my arse but i do feel like that was planned was at some point definitely it was definitely mentioned within the kickstarter promote promotional stuff when it when it launched yeah. And I do wonder if it's one of these things that they had ambition for, but obviously due to budget constraints and time, probably had to cut it. I mean, we lost Baisha, unfortunately, and the, the castle is like a repurposed ending mm. in that respect, which, I mean, again, I'd love to know what's on the cutting room floor with, with the castle. Yeah, but I do feel like like my point was that the character's perspective thing was mm. being saved for that so you could see this mission from different angles, different viewpoints. Yeah, because it, it would have been cool that, Ren turns up with these people, but then you, you you do like maybe a couple of little side quests within like as almost like a flashback, yeah, to, to just to see how they came in. Um, who knows? It's a shame, but we we got what we got, and uh, as we know, and who yeah. knows, they could be saving that stuff still for Shenmue Four. Yeah, quite quite possibly. I mean, that's yeah, we've we've sort of talked about it, yeah on and on that they've got everything there that they can sort of go really deep in the story for Shenmue Four, and hope hopefully they do. Um, but for now, um, we are we're going to the castle. So you head over on your boat. Grandmaster Bay drives you over. You get a nice little cut scene where Ren starts giving orders of who's going in, and he volunteers himself to stay with Shilling, who gets her broom ready to smash him over the head, with, which I thought was quite funny. <laughs> yeah. And then she, Ren's like, "Oh, maybe not." And actually, I'm going to go back a few steps. Actually, we mentioned a Ren cut scene. Uh, the cutscene where he meets Shenhua is an interesting one because he's all cocky and brash. She gives him the evils and he backs right off. Yeah, that is after the second time you lose against yes, it is. Mr. Muscle's guy. You, you go back to the hotel, don't they, and have a little conversation. Yeah. And he's kind of like, 
I don't know, like remnants of Shenfor's powers being used on Ren. We've we've questioned this in the past. Just his reaction to speaking to Shenfor seemed a bit off. I don't know. It's heavily implied anyway. But anyway, that's me going yeah. going off at a tangent. Worth so, a mention. Yeah. Yeah. So once eventually jobs are allocated that um, Rio and Ren are going to go together, Suit and um, Schilling will go together, and Grandmaster Bay will sort of stay, stay back a little bit, which is fine. So you wander in, and there's like on the left hand side, as you walk through the castle, the first little bit at the bottom of the castle, there is randomly a pawn shop. Which, if you look at the Kickstarter art book, it implies that they had more going on in that area than than we actually got because there's a lot of people npcs bustling around etc so i think it's part part of the the um the cut content shall we say we never got and also on the kickstarter it was meant to be a stretch goal for a side quest in baisha or something and i feel like this was what they kind of came up with yeah you're going to talk about in a moment so the side quest you get you walk up and there's this pawn shop and the owner there says that the resonates have nicked some items of his which is a ring, a plate, and a camera. So you have to go and find them in the castle, basically, and you can hunt around and, and find them. The guide we're using has got a little ga- uh, little uh, map yeah, for them. Pretty cool, um, actually. So I won't, I won't go into it now. But what you do, you, go, you get your items, you return them to the pawn shop, you get a bottle of snake venom, which is really helpful because you're going to need that for fighting your way through what's to come. At this point, I would also recommend that if you might, yeah, you get any veg, etc., any garlic you need to eat, get everything ready because you are going into the end game now. So you're going to need your health. You walk up, you go into the castle, and then you go over into the next room and you find three locked doors. And you look inside each of the door. On the left door, there's a chicken inside. In the middle room, you see some pictures around, uh, a picture of Rio, a picture of Landy, and a picture of Chai and his family, <laughs> which I thought was all a bit weird, a bit, bit of a joke. Yeah, that's funny. I don't know if that um, was an Easter egg, but that seems like where Chai's been hiding out. <laughs> yeah, I don't know where he's been living this entire time after being thrown off a boat. Um, so you've met Chai's family, interestingly enough, and then there's, there's the, the final door on, on the right-hand side. And you look in there and you see Shenhua's father, Yuan, and the other missing stonemason is you. Uh, but before you can do anything, you are attacked by the persistent little bastard that is Chai. <laughs> and you beat him via a QTE. And at this point, now Rio's strength is much better than Chai's, and he takes him down with relatively, you know, relative ease, which is great. Nicks the keys, unlocks the door. Grandmaster Bay arrives to take uh, Yuan and Zhu away, and you'll ask him to protect them while you go to get Shenhua. And, and Rio has a conversation with Yuan at that point, says Shenhua has been captured, and he's going to go and save her. So you come out of there, you walk around the main building where and Ren will be waiting for you. And you go through the doors. And you have this cutscene where you're sneaking in the building and you see Nielsen for the first time. And Ren, in his pervy way, goes, oh, look at the pair on her. I mean, let's be honest, it is exaggerated a little bit, isn't it? But... Yeah, I mean, considering where, obviously, this character's come from, Lee Feng or whatever that you're going to reveal in a moment, um, I think feel like they've grown. Yeah. <laughs> so don't know how she did that. Interesting. So That's another power. <laughs> you go in there, and Niaosun demands the Phoenix Mirror in exchange for Shenhua's life. However, there's a little flashback where Rio recognizes her face, and it's Li Feng, the woman that you saw on the boat. So it begs the question here, in terms of storytelling, 
how did she know Rhea had the Phoenix Mirror and why did she? Yeah, what, when did she find out? Yeah, she well, it seems like he's, she's been following him. If she was on the same boat, she must have known. She must have been in Bali or she Possibly, must have been in yeah. Languishan, wherever the, the boat left from, uh, which is interesting. So it's, it's interesting. So what they do at this point, she comes out, um, she calls out Rio at this point, and, and actually I've missed a cutscene here, but I'll come into it now, is before you go to the castle, Ren has bought himself a fake Phoenix mirror and oh, says they can yeah, use it. Of course. And there's but, actually a little hidden cutscene that we were going to mention earlier yeah. on. You don't get it straight away, but I, f- I feel like after you meet Ren for the first time... Yeah, that's correct. If you had to... I forget the name of the shop, but there's a shop that's got like antiques and Rio actually notices this Phoenix mirror sort of design at the back of the shop there. Um, it's it's literally a replica of yeah. the Phoenix mirror and that's obviously the one that Ren is spotted as well and, and, and picks up, yeah. So what Ren goes to do at this point is use the fake one and Rio goes, no, 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 and he gives mm. Nelson the real one. So yeah. now Rhea has lost the Phoenix Mirror. And we know at this point Landy has the Dragon Mirror. So now both mirrors are in the hand of the Chiyu men. Very interesting. So I will ask you, man, just before we move on. Obviously, Niao Sun's a character that's been heavily shown off back in the day. Project Berkeley, we mm. had concept art of her and stuff. What do you think of her introduction to... Shemu three years. Do you think the do you think they got the actual introduction of a character off with a bang, so to speak, or do you think they originally had other intentions? I think they have more intentions for her in terms of the way she would be coming into the into that area into into the story. I mean, bearing in mind her image has been flashed around for years, and also at the end of Shemu two, she's quite a prominent image in that in that ending bit at the end of the credits. So it begs the question for me that I think they had they I think they had more going on there and they they again had to make compromises somewhere. So um, that's the problem. This whole old castle area. Do we take this as canon? I know we have to take it as canon now, but obviously this may have not been the original intention. This no. is kind of like what they slapped on it's, it, to round off the game at, the, at the time. So definitely not. I mean, we it's been said publicly that they they changed the ending to get it out. And there was obviously a time time limitation on that, and probably money as well. So I anticipate we were going to get something different, actually, mm. to what we ended up getting at the castle. Not that I didn't enjoy fighting up the castle, etc. Oh no, the, the actual old castle area is is still pretty epic and, f- and feeling really. It's yeah. good fun. I I just think it lacked again some of the the more intricate storytelling, which would have made it more epic and feel a bit more important. Yeah. Um. But actually, when you talk about Niausen in a bit it gives you a bit more about her but we'll we'll come to that so she brings shenhua out with one of the black suits knife to her throat hand over the mirror they get shenhua um rio basically apologizes and then niaosun randomly turns around and goes oh landy is in the castle and you have to fight your way up here to get to him and now this this raised a question for me in that how does she know that you're after Landy. What's been said? Like, what's going on? Has Chai said something? I suppose she must be in the know, though, because if she's part of the Chi men, she, mm. she she must know Landy's father was killed by Rio's father. So she knows that Rio's actual intent is not the mirrors. He's he doesn't really know much about the mirrors. We you know as as players we don't actually we still don't know much about the mirrors. No, they they obviously know more about the mirrors than Rio does. So Rio's only real intention 
is to get revenge on Landy. So, you know, she, like you say, she opens the doors, Landy's yeah. up there. She knows for a while that Rio's going to be like completely one track mind. It's going to be Landy. She's got the mirror now, so she's got what she wants. She knows even if Rio is incapable of beating Landy, she's got something up a sleeve that we'll get to in a bit. Yeah. So I will say before we take on the old castle, I'm going to play another song. I think this is going to hype up the ending here. We're going to talk about the ending of Shenmue 3, which gets pretty... I don't want to say too deep because it's not too deep. But it's it's going to get quite deep with some of the stuff that we're going to be talking about in a minute. So I'm going to play To the Battlefield. It's a piece of music, obviously, from Shenmue 3 again. It, it plays actually as Ren's rounding up the troops before hitting the old castle, but I think it'll not be nice fitting piece of music to play as we enter the main area of the old castle. Okay, that was to the battlefield. 
and we're going to move on now to uh, whatever comes after meeting Nielsen. So, Nielsen has obviously revealed that Landy is there waiting for you at the top of the castle, and your doors open, swing open, and you have to fight your way through basically a mountain of thugs. Um, not quite a seventy-man battle, but not not quite a seventy-man battle, but it's still a good old fight. So you fight your way through the first lot of thugs. You fight your way through some more. You then go up to the top of the steps where you fight the, the sort of the red snakes grunts. This is where you're going to need your health because if you start taking hits, etc., your kung fu level is not very high. You're going to need your stuff to eat to get through or this. Snake powers as well. I I, I made or snake a, power. Yeah, a bit of the thing of buying quite a few snake powers for this. And then at the final bit at the top of the steps, you fight Yi himself. And this is the battle we can actually win. So you fight him as normal in, in free battle. Then you get the QTE to whack in the reverse body check. Rio takes him out. Boom. Thank you very much. I you am finally the got the Kung Fu that you required. <laughs> to take him down. Yeah. Um, it is a bit of a repetition from Bailu Village um, in terms of the way it's been done. That's a valid criticism, but I'll, I'll leave it there for the benefit of, of now. And now it's time to go and face Landy for the for the first well say the first time you see him on the damn helicopter but for the first time yeah. you're within reach of, of, of Landy you're in the you same room in, as him you're in the same room he you can't are in, run off he can't fly off <laughs> no he can't bugger off he can't do anything you're going to be in that room with him so you make your way up the steps and you fight some more goons who are actually kickstarter backers at this point yeah. i think it was just because they need need to get them in they're fairly easy to take down take them down quite quickly is this the point where you see niao sun yes fire around so, as well as all this shit's going down and you're about to break into the castle etc Nielsen has decided that she's going to betray Landy and starts pouring petrol all over the, the castle, starts laughing and says, the two men to be long to me now, Landy, that fool. Right, so she's she's possibly thinking then by sending Rio up to Landy, she's, she knows full well she's going to burn the castle down, so she's going to burn Landy and Rio down at yeah, the same time. She's, she's going to take two birds with one stone sort of thing, isn't she? Which yeah. you know, is very clever. And obviously she has intentions to lead the Chi men, which is, that's going to be very interesting coming into a Shenmue 4. Now that we know what we do, that she's double-crossed Landy, that he has one mirror, she has the other. So, so just thinking about it work? then, is Landy the big boss in her head? If she takes out Landy, Must she be. becomes the big boss. Because Must I know be. we've heard stuff about higher-ups, like Tentai or whatever the yeah. guy's name is. But if this is on her mind, Landy must be the one in control at the moment. Must be. There, there, there must be something to it. So that would be very interesting how that plays out in, in a Shenmue 4 when we eventually get and it. Doesn't she say something like Niawu will belong to her? So it's is kind it? of similar to how Donu said Kowloon or Hong Kong will belong to him, you know, when he was at the top of the Yellowhead building and he wants to display his whatever to Landy. Mm. Instead of doing that now, Niawu just thinks if I kill Landy, <laughs> I've got that as a reward. Yeah, and she says the men are hurts. So it's 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 very interesting how they do that. So while that's all going on down the background, the castle starts burning down, you haven't realised at this this particular point, you bust into Landy's room. And Landy's sat there and he gives you a bit of a you know snarky look at you. And then you've got his three sort of henchmen. So he sends one after you, who's like an older bloke, 
um, starts throwing some kung fu and using some QTE to take him down. Quite quite straightforward. Sort of parries the move off and just takes him down. The second thug comes up and is this like Bruce Lee kind of bloke, Jeet Kune Do, does all this like wah stuff and Red yeah. just boots him in the face. <laughs> Another <laughs> comedic scene, really. And then Rio turns around and goes, how are we even friends? Which I thought was quite funny. And then the third guy is a bigger dude. Um, he has sort of a Dol Neo look to him, actually, in my, in yeah. my book. Yeah. And he sort of tries to bear hug Rio. He headbutts him and then he sort of takes him down with a palm strike, which is cool. Well, in fact, the the guy prior to that, the Bruce Lee guy, it, it's if you look at the old chapter tile artwork, he he looks like one of the guys that's in that. So I don't, I don't know if, if he is or not, or that's just but it's like something we've spotted Yang, as fans. It's like Yang Lang. He pop he pops up, doesn't he, a couple of times yeah. in chapter yeah. tiles as well, which was interesting because he's that's a character that's been around for twenty odd years. Yeah, for sure. So it's you know. It, it, it's cool, but it's 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 one of those. Did they intend more out of these mm. characters, or I mean, do they still intend more? It could be another one of those characters that comes back again in could the be. later aspects, like Chai. Could very much be. So you're now you're getting your fight with Landy. Landy turns around, having not really said it much at this point, and actually turns around and says to Rio, oh, "He's actually improved a bit now." The little Easter egg I was talking about earlier is if you have the Eric Calso mod. You also have a nice little mod here where Paul Lucas has come back to voice Landy at this point. So it's in Which Landy's original amazing. voice. Yeah. And it's badass. I think it's, and this isn't any disrespect to, to the actor who took Landy on. I just think it, it fits the character better, in my view. Yeah. Kyle McCarley? I think. Yeah. Not that. Yeah. Um, yeah, definitely. He's more deeper Landy sinister. It just sounds, sort of yeah, it sounds more menacing, doesn't it? But, yeah, it's a nice little Easter egg that, that Paul came back for that. Rio gets up and says, Landy, fight me. I will avenge my father. Landy steps up. And you have a fight with Landy. Um, you can't hit him. This is in a free fight as well. And you just can't hit him. Now, I know there's been some sort of criticism levied around, why can't you touch Landy? Well, because you're six months into a training battle. Yeah. yeah. You're not going to be able to touch Landy. You, if you, if, I'm sorry, but... In six months, you are not going to take down a master of a brutal martial art like that. Not happening. You're not going Which to be able to touch Which is why it would have felt so rushed if this was the end, if it was a trilogy, if yeah defeats him, everyone goes home happy. It would have felt so rushed. Yeah, you know, exactly. Knowing what we know moving forward from the chapter tiles and all that sort of stuff. I know these, these people out there that perhaps aren't aware of all the lore and the depth of this the series and they just expected... You know, eventually Rio is going to fight Landy and win. You know, that's it's still two or three games away. You know what I mean? It's I don't know if there's going to be a training montage, but it's still too soon. Even next yeah. game, do you know what I mean? It is, it's because it's a direct follow-on. It's too soon. That I mean, one thing I discussed with Michael Huber is whether it could be done done as a QTE, possibly, um, for a bit of interactivity to make it look a bit more mm. like, badass. But then actually, I'm going to counter that and say. The, the the cut scene that plays after this point because you're not going to touch Landy is actually really really well done. The martial arts choreography is excellent throughout. I mean, Rio's trying to take him down. Landy's just casually getting out of the way. One yeah. particular favorite of this of this part is um, Rio goes to um, punch him. Landy gets him, blocks like grabs his arm, hooks his foot over, and boots Rio in the face. Yeah, it looks really really good. It does. I think this is. 
you know, motion capture or whatever they, they did do, that this is the it's name top. of this. Yeah, top it's notch. Really top notch, really well done. Um at the end of the and Ren tries to get involved, Landy just thrust kicks him out the way, you know, completely does him in. Yeah, and it kinda of makes you think like, I mean, maybe Rio's never actually meant to defeat Landy or lay a blow on him, you know. Possibly. If you think of I know this is going completely left field, but the the Shemu online stuff where you've got the dragon and the big phoenix in the sky kind of thing. I mean, if we do get to that point, maybe that is how you defeat Landy. You don't defeat him by becoming a better martial artist. I mean, there could be, you know, something else that happens. I don't. I don't know. Just thought I'd mention that. Yeah, we we just don't know, do we? And it, like you say, at this point in time, Rio is not going to be able to touch him. So I just don't. It's never going to happen now. And I'm sorry. It doesn't fit. It doesn't fit the arc in my in my book. So, going back on on topic, Landy's right. You really have a death wish. Let me reintroduce you to your father. Ren then pops up with the fake mirror. Yeah, and from says, that shop. Yeah, from that shop, and says, "Well, let him go, and you can have this." And it's the Phoenix mirror. And Landy goes to step out and grab it. Ren launches it through the window, and then boots Rio out of there. Basically, and Rio's like, "No, Landy, Landy, I want to fight you." Thinking, and Ren tells Rezo, "You're no good to anybody dead," which I thought was very interesting. That Ren sort of just took the initiative there. I was like, "No, we're not having this." Yeah, get the hell out of there. So I will ask you that, man. So I've asked you for Ren. I've asked you for Niaoson. So the Landy fight. Do you think that scene has it lived up to the anticipation? Is that what you know? The fans have been clamoring for that for 18 years. Do you, do you think a character like Landy? could be fooled by the fake mirror throw or do you think he's he's naive enough to give in to Ren you know how Ren gives him the ultimatum if you want the mirror let Rio go is that something that you you don't really think is typical of Andy's character really I don't I don't know I mean bearing in mind that we don't know what Landy would have done had a while just given him the mirror so would he would he have let him live I don't know because I mean I think Landy went in there banking on a fight yeah and that's what what he got. And to be fair, it's Iwao that killed Landy's father. It's yeah. not, nothing to do with Rio. So his sort of anger towards Rio wasn't there at the start of the game. You know, start yeah. of Shemu one. It's it's Rio's anger that's reminiscent of Landy. Yeah, and I you think know. Rio Rio's a bit of a pest to Landy. I don't think he's too bothered by him. Yeah. Um, but at the same time. He's starting to get impressed by Rio, though. Yeah, he's starting to acknowledge Rio's ability. And you think back to the, to the Shenmue 2, where he watches him take down uh, Dolneo, and now again, where he's taken three of his henchmen out and has actually acknowledged that he's improved, mm. that there might be something more going on there. But I think the scene itself, certainly the, the choreographed stuff is excellent. It's so well done put together. The fight itself, I think, is is systematic of the the flaws that are in the fighting system in itself that it does lack a bit of impact but it felt good just to be able to have a go at him quite honestly yeah and i don't think it's ever going to live up to fans expectations i mean we've we've spoken about this for the whole of shemu 3 you know it's never ever going to live up to 18 years worth of anticipation so even though we got this epic landy fight it still feels lacking but that's yeah. just because of you know, preconceived notions going into the game that you, you, you think it's going to be something that it's not. Mm. It, it's a weird one to explain, but it's just something that we've obviously had in our thoughts and our mind of how things are going to go down. And obviously, yeah. it's, I mean, it's, it can it's never live up to that. 20 years worth of us thinking about it. So it, I do think it would have had a hard time anyway. Um, 
taking out the, the flaws I've talked about. But then that's that's like you're now into the last. You're locked into your cutscenes now. Um, that's it. So Ren gets you out of there. You watch the castle burn down, um, but with Mister Yuan and Zhu and Shilling, who uh, Sue and um, Master Bay Ren and Rio watch the castle go down. Interesting point, actually. We did do it in a stream where we did the explore mod thing. Mm. The castle is actually burnt down properly. You yeah, know. it's it's the models changed. Um, if you go over on FreeCam using UUU and Real um, FreeCam etc., you can go over there, and it's all been done. It's all been burnt down, and the models been changed, which I think's you know they could have just got attention to detail. Yeah, yeah, could have just left it, couldn't they? But they didn't. So next cutscene, cutscene. You're on the boat going. I don't know where you're going. I presume to Bailu Village to to drop her dad off because yeah, that's the thing. I mean, I did transcribe the conversation. If you want me to just run through this, yeah, go for it. Because it's not part of the guide. Because the guide's kind of just stopped. It's like enjoy the final cutscene. So this is what happens. I've kind of like rewritten the chain of events here. So after the landy fight, it pans and we see the castle on fire. Then it skips to Rio, Ren, Shenfar, and Mister Yuan on the ship. So Master Bay and the other characters are watching from the distance as the, the ship's sort of like departing from Niawu. But where the ship's heading, we don't actually know. So Rio has a conversation with Mr. Yuan on board. He hands Mr. Yuan the photo that he's been carrying since finding it in the basement of Shemi One, you know, the, the photo of Yuao and Xiao Suming. And Mr. Yuan confirms that that is Xiao Suming in the, in the photo. So Rio explains what happened to his father. Obviously, you know, Landy kind of came and killed him. And Misty Wan can't believe that something so terrible happened because of the mirror his family created, or these these mirrors, you know, that his family created, which it, it sort of confirms that the lineage of the Yuan name, yeah. of the stonemasons, you know, something must be important there. It must be con- connected to their family history in regards to creating these sort of like magical mirrors and, and whatnot which is an interesting thing to think about, you know, like the we've spoken about Shemfoir's lineage and ancestors and that sort of stuff, but there's something going on with the Yuan family as well. Yeah. So he states that the Dragon Mirror and the Phoenix Mirror were once locked away in the Cliff Temple, but someone had their eye on them. And it was actually Zhao Suming that wanted to retrieve the mirrors before they fell into the wrong hands. And he is obviously the man that's standing next to Yuao in the photo. And... He then says, I, I couldn't quite make out who he meant, but he says the mirrors were entrusted to him. So I'm not sure if he meant Zhao or Iwao. I think, Zhao, I think it was Zhao. I just got that impression because it's, it's, yeah. It's, Zhao is, is the one with the mirrors, and they say they're his mirrors in the first game, don't they? Exactly, yeah. And then he says, but several years later, Zhao died under mysterious circumstances. His only son, long son Zhao, which is also known as Landy. That's him. Mm-hmm. He was raised by the Chi Men. And the cliff temple that Xiao visited. And then this this kind of gets Rio saying that that's where we found the scroll, but that's kind of like a translation thing we determined. Yeah. Where he actually means that that was depicted in the scroll that they found at the top of the bell tower. You know, Aldier told them about this cliff temple on the scroll. And I think that's what Rio means. He means that. That was what we saw on the scroll, basically, this yeah, cliff temple. definitely. Yeah. So Mr. Yuan, he's heard that the Chia men have taken it over, which means that Landy is probably headed back there with the mirror. So obviously at this point, we don't really know if Landy survived the fire, but it seems like implied... they just assume that, yeah, they, they, that they're implying that if 
Landy's going anywhere, if you know you want to catch up with Landy, he's, he's going to head back to the Cliff Temple, but the yeah. GMN have taken over. So then that kind of begs the question as well, like, does Niao Sun think that she's killed Landy? Does she think she's killed Ryo? Mm, uh, I mean, questions that are kind of like leaning into Shemu 4 that we don't really know yeah, about I yet. Mean, you'd have thought, burning the castle down, she'd have thought she's got away with that, scot free. So you'd think in her head, yeah, I've dealt with this, and she's off to the, potentially the Cliff Temple. And then... We kind of don't know what Landy's thinking either. No, we don't. Obviously, we assume now that Landy survived because they're talking about Landy's headed to the Cliff Temple. But does Landy think that he now owns the Phoenix Mirror because he's got the mm. fake one? Or does he? did he realise that that was a fake one? And he's kind of kicking himself like, you know, I've let Rio go and I fell for that trick. I don't know. We don't really know what's going on there either. No, it's interesting. But what we do get is a brief scene where... Rio, Shenfua, and Ren are heading to the Cliff Temple, it seems, across mm-hmm. like the Great Wall of China, it looks like. But then that kind of also means that the ship potentially was, wasn't was heading to the Great Wall because there's only three of them. So Mr. Yuan must have gotten off somewhere. So we were kind of speculating whether he got back to Bailu Village first. So, I mean, that kind of could be a thing where Shemu 4, if it you know ever does happen, and, you know, perhaps the start of the game cut, sort of rolls back a little bit and yeah. you maybe see Mr. Yuan being dropped off back at Bailu Village and they kind of reconvene there and talk about where they're going to go next kind of thing before the... Yeah, I think... You know, that could be a possibility. I think it should really, actually, as well, give some, cause you can sort of fill in some context that may that was potentially missing from the end of 3 that would be really good, I think. Yeah, they kind of just slap that thing on just to give a bit of a, an ending, a, a goal moving mm. forward, I suppose. And that's Shemu 3 in a nutshell. I mean, we do get some end credits. We get the Chowan sign music on repeat for like 10 minutes. <laughs> yeah. But we do eventually get a nice heartfelt message from Yu Suzuki at the end of the credits that I am going to read now. He states that to all the fans that have waited many years for Shemu 3 and to all of the crowdfunding backers who have made this game possible, this project would not exist without your love, support and the connections we have made along the, right, uh, along the way. With profound appreciation for all that you have done, I am happy to finally present to you Shenmue 3. During development, I expanded the scope beyond what I originally envisioned. I am happy we were able to include the distinct Shenmue charm throughout the game. I hope that this new chapter strikes even a small resonance in your heart. For as long as there are those who wish to see Shenmue live on, I will never give up on my own personal journey to complete its story. As with Shenmue 3, the Shenmue story is with you. I sincerely hope that together we can continue to spin the tale of Rio and his adventures in Shemu 4. This goes out to all those who have ever loved and supported Shemu. You, Suzuki. Says enough, doesn't it? I mean, the, the, the story, the continuation it is in our hands to a point. I mean, we got to get behind the anime now and we need to get, get behind hashtag let's get Shemu 4 every month. I think Shemu 3 is not without fault, but it is the miracle game. It does exist. We made it exist. And for what it is, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I thoroughly enjoyed my time with it. Yes, there are faults in the story and some mechanics, etc. They're well publicized. We've, we've talked about them at length. Yeah, I think it was episode six we discussed yeah. in great detail about Shenmue 3 series moving forward if you want to head back and check out that episode. I, I think both yourself and Peter actually gave the game around a seven. Which, yeah, I mean, right. I, I too think a fair score. I think it just needed a little bit better storytelling or something. Like, yeah, you know, like yeah. the original two games, 
I think it would have turned into like a nine or a ten, in my opinion, if because I I, th- I think everything else we were given was exactly as we hoped for as Shimmy fans. The way the gameplay felt, NPCs, the interactions with them, the voice dubbing, even you know the mini games, environments, etc. It's just it's just something felt missing for me. Like in the storytelling, like a little bit of the yeah. soul or something that made the first two games so special and masterpieces. In my eyes, I can't quite put my finger on it, but yeah, I, d- I don't disagree with that at all. Is I think it, in one part, it, it, the part it fell short was 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 the storytelling and the fleshing out in that respect. I mean, even so, like the the two episodes we've done on the story, you know, we've we've kind of talked for two hours each way. There has been story in there. It's just not it's... on the same level. No, you know? it's not, and some of it you have to go and fish for. Whereas I think Shenmue one and two is a bit more because they have more money and and all the rest of it i think is a lot there's it's it's it sort of served you a bit bit more up front whereas i think in shenmue three you have to sort of search around for these little scenes that fill out some of the story gaps and fill out some of the environment and and the characters which is a plus and a minus because you it means you're always going to see something new hopefully but it does does leave some gaps there but i mean for, for what it is, for what we got, brilliant. Thank you very much. Let's let's push on now. Use that as a basis and really, really smash it out of the park with a fourth game and, and an anime which looks bloody fantastic. Yeah, well, this is what I'm going to ask you, man. So looking forward, somewhat of a, re- a recap, what, what do you think we can expect for the future of the series, whether that be you know the animation before? What should we be doing? Should we be, be buying up boxes and boxes of perfume, perhaps? Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, I would encourage anybody who's a Shenmue fan who, you know, don't don't go mad and don't buy things you can't afford, etc. Because that's just ridiculous. But you know, support the series. You know, support the merchandise. That's the one thing you can be doing. Get out there on the tweetathons. Hashtag Let's Get Shenmue Four. Hashtag Shenmue Anime on the fourth of each month because that's that's our big platform, and we should be targeting you know, people out there in you know Sony, Microsoft letting WiseNet know, Cedric know that we're not going quiet, we're not going away sort of thing. Yeah, I think as the biggest thing is at the moment, the biggest positive we have is that we have a damn, what looks to be a damn good anime coming. And that for me could really kick the series into a different a different area in terms of a fan base that may come into the games and want to play the games. But on the flip side of things, if it doesn't make a fourth game more viable, um, it does give us an avenue, if successful, to finish the story. But I want, as I said this quite openly, I want the games to finish the story first. But if I have to have it in an anime, then I'll take it. But we, we we need to support this anime. We need to support the merchandise. And we need to be getting the word out there that we want a fourth game. And if we don't do that, we won't get it. And it, it, it really is that simple in my head. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I think whether you enjoyed Shimmer 3 or you didn't, you shouldn't rest on your laurels. I mean, we rested on laurels back in 1999, 2001, whatever. You know, there was a point where you're waiting for Shenmue 3 to come. It never came. So we waited nigh on 18 years. And I don't want to have that sort of experience again. I think we're in a position now where we can actually determine the future of the series ourselves. We've already done that by getting Shenmue 3 back. And for people to like suddenly start slacking, whether because they didn't enjoy the third game or because there's been a third game and you know that sort of naivety's kicked in again where they just assume things are going to happen you know you can't rest on your laurels like that so get behind the anime like matt says get behind 
uh, what we do on the fourth of each month, pushing for Shenmue 4. And let's try and continue the series. Uh, I, I mean, I, I understand Yusuzuki's probably not going to do Kickstart again. No. So no. they're not going to be able to suddenly get uh, a flood of six or seven million from fans. So we're going to have to do this a hard way. We're going to have to make sure that the anime is successful to turn a few heads, perhaps, that may, you know, if Cedric and the team have been pitching the game, Shenmue 4, to publishers and they've kind of been turned down or perhaps, you know, maybe they are waiting to see how well the anime is successful. Let's make the anime a success. Let's hope that we get a whole new fan base on board and then we can turn our attention then to Shenmue 4 moving forward for the rest of the series. Definitely. So... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> again thanks so much guys i mean this is we're kind of putting a, a line under the sand here this is the end of season one but we are going to be back in the same amount of time between episodes it's not it's you know you're going to see episode nine again soon but this is going to be season two the start of next year we're going to refresh ourselves get past christmas get past the new year and come out banging again next year when it could be potentially the year of again so i just want to express my heartfelt thanks to everyone who's tuned into all of these episodes so far 26 of them including matt's interviews and whatnot you've got more interviews to come so yeah massive thanks thanks for all the content that you're consuming over on the dojo on the forums some of the social media stuff that we're pumping out in fact that was another news point i'll I'll make briefly we've added a couple of new staff members to the dojo team so we've got hiki Spags, spaghetti, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> who have rejoined the, well, Spags has rejoined the team uh, in terms of social media, some of his prowess and expertise for social media. And Definitely. Hiki, their passion and commitment to the series is, you know, recognized and completely appreciated. So that is why they're back involved in, you know, the staff and our team moving forward. Yeah, giving us giving us a bit of support over on the social media, which is always welcome. You've probably seen a load of posts popping up from from those guys in, yeah. in the already smashing out the park. Days. Insane, work. yeah, yeah, and absolutely. You may have seen Zachirio, who was our resident American streamer. Obviously, me and Matt cover the fourth of each month in a, a sort of special one-off per month stream that me and Matt do. Which again, thanks for tuning into those if if you are spotting those on twitter or whatever and joining us on twitch or youtube the fourth of every month we have some amazing streams there some some great discussions some great almost like an episode if, if you're enjoying episodes yeah. of the show, we, we kind of like have a, a live episode there so that's that's always fun but moving forward obviously zachirio's left the team to move on to some of you know his projects that he wants to work on virtual shemu you may have seen on twitter go give it a follow he's, he's pumping out some great photography-esque added things coming there so you'll see like each day there'll be like a themed piece of Shenmue screenshots or whatever he's he's done in his artistic fashion there but it is with our great honor that we we welcome Titch Life to the Shenmue Dojo team in terms of streaming moving forward so starting from next year obviously we're only a month away from that now pretty much you can expect to see Titch streaming for the dojo which is going to be really exciting i think some of the the live streams that she's done herself she's she's already done some crazy taxi streams and super monkey ball streams and stuff and she's also got extensive playthroughs of the first two games shemu of course over on her youtube channel 
So moving forward, that's going to be really exciting to see what she brings to the party. So yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing some of her streams. Yeah, we're just wait, waiting on a date for that, but it'll be early next year. But yeah, exciting times for the dojo, I think. So with that then, Matt, I think we'll put a close to this episode. Yeah, I think we should. Um, thank you, everybody who's listened to us over the last year or so. It's yeah, it's a pleasure that we we create this content in our spare time. We do it because we, we, we are massive fans of the franchise and every single one that takes time to listen to us, to watch us, to read what we talk about, you know, is appreciated. And without you guys, you know, the community wouldn't exist. So thank you so much. And Matt, have you got a piece of music to close us out with? Yes, I do have a, a, a piece of music to close us out with. It's one of my favourites. Um, it's played in Shenmue 3. It's just a nice chilled out piece to get us to the end of the, the um, season for the podcast. And it's called Seeking Healing. Look at the time.